Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I'm not going to lie to you, Kevin. I thought to myself on the way in, I'll just let Kev do the whole thing and... Boo and I'll sit and have extra cereal this morning, <laughs> right? Uh, Karen Query's 80th birthday will be forever remembered <laughs> <laughs> the day that the uh, world of golf changed for good. Yeah, I think I have 1,037 questions for Will Haskett coming up at 8.30. What a day yesterday um, for the sport that I love, certainly. Um, 10.01, 10.02, I mean, right? Like, literally? Yeah, just right, as after we we signed, off, right after we got off the air, literally. Just as we signed off, I, I would say my initial shock was, wait a minute, is the PGA Tour announcing a merge, and boy, you gotta love the word merge, with Live Golf, and they're making the announcement on CNBC? Like, not the Golf Channel, not at a PGA Tour event, not with... Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods and Scotty Scheffler sitting up there on a podium. No, no, no. CNBC, which I think tells you everything you need to know about what went went down here. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about this a ton today. I do think it's a huge day, by the way, for the Pacers and draft workouts, and we could get some clarity on the Isaiah Rogers situation. We'll chat about that. But Jake, more than anything, yesterday, Jay Monahan. PJ Tour Commissioner and I guess CEO of whatever this new entity is going to be, he did what we try to do on the show. And it wasn't the entertainment aspect, it was the educational aspect. And what he educated us with was money doesn't talk, money doesn't win, money is undefeated. No matter how much blood is on that money, it is absolutely undefeated, soulless, Absolute hypocrite, Jay Monahan. Uh, money is undefeated. 72 Dolphins, 76 Hoosiers having a baby. That is money. And that is what we were learned. That's what we found out yesterday. And maybe I should have known that for the previous 32 and a half years of my life. The, um, to me, th- this is the risk, Kevin. And I want to, I want to be careful to not be. Like, I want to be sensitive to and respectful of, and I mean this sincerely, the passion that golf fans have for the sport. Because I follow golf, obviously. I mean, I work in sports. My dad and my sister are avid golf viewers. They absolutely love it. I know what it means to people. For whatever reason... It's like butter pecan ice cream to me. I know people enjoy it and it's okay, but I don't go out of my way for butter pecan ice cream. Yeah. And that's how golf is to me. I don't know why, but that's just how it is. But I can respect what it means to people. The thing that I fear for the sport of golf, which has never had a 20-year run of relevance like it's had the last 20 years, right? My fear for golf would be this, and that is that people like me now are going to completely check out. The, the, I'm not saying there are a lot of me. I think I'm in the minority. But the people that are like, oh, I enjoy watching the Masters. I, I enjoy watching the PGA. And if it's a rainy Sunday and I'm flipping channels, yeah, I'll watch one of the FedEx Cup or you know whatever, whatever it's called. I, I don't even know. But you know, like a non-major, so to speak. 
I think there are a lot of people like that, like me now, that are going to be like, yeah, I have no interest in it. I, this is run by like Saudi Arabia, and it's just, it's not. Do you say that more from a moralistic standpoint? A little bit. Now, I, I, you know what? I've never been one, Kevin, that has been overly involved or concerned with ownership groups, politics, etc. Right, right. But, but this, this just feels different. It feels greasy. Yeah, it it feels gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels. Yeah, um, I haven't showered in the coke lot for three days. That, yeah, that's what it feels I, like. I mean, it does, and and it also, and this is what happened. And I, I hate making this analogy because I, I realize how obvious and lazy and whatever it it sounds but it it feels a little bit like like what happened in open wheel racing when it split was and then it came back together was by then people were just kind of like yeah i've moved on to something else and it was too confusing to me now this wasn't the case here because they weren't split long enough right right? But Although there is a lot of confusion. Yeah. And so the confusion, I think, makes it... I have two choices here. Okay? I have two choices. One is that I sit down and I painstakingly learn this new math. Or the other is that I say, I don't need this new math and I move on. I already did the former once. I'm not going to do it again. Like... I, I do think that there are people that are going to say, yeah, this all now to me, I can't... So who's who exactly is in charge and which golf like how are they going to how are tournaments going to be handled and I just I'm going to go watch I, I'm really I've really been enjoying college baseball lately and that's going to be my new thing or whatever it might be I don't think ultimately that that's going to be the long term I think people will get over it but I can't deny Kevin that it just feels gross yeah it. it- it does, and I don't want to act like you know I'm sitting here carrying some moral flag, 365 days, 24/7 around the clock. But I have some major issues on that side of it. I also have a ton of issues just from a competition standpoint. That's why I hated Live probably more than anything. I thought it was a glorified exhibition series tour. Um, I have always enjoyed the meritocracy element of the PJ Tour, and you earn what you get. You make a cut and you earn more status. You don't, you're not going to get into the majors. Uh, What golf has an issue with, among other things, first off, Jake, this is a PGA Tour Saudi uh, merger. So when they play the U.S. Open next week, Jake, that has no bearing on that. Golf is run by five different governing bodies, and that is an issue. None of the majors are affected by yesterday's news. The Masters, the U.S. Open, the British Open, and the PJ Championship, right. the four majors, are all run by separate governing bodies, which is confusing in itself. This is a PGA Tour, so think of all the other tournaments throughout the year. Think of uh, you know the Players' Championship, and last week, Jack Nicklaus's tournament, those tournaments. So, the confusion is there. I do think, and I don't know when we'll get there, because frankly, I think yesterday's news was lap one of 200 laps we, we need to run the race to get clarity on what this means. To your point, Jake, who runs it? What's the schedule look like? Where are these events going to be played? All those things. I do think this is the first step in getting all parties on the same golf course. Uh, like understood. Kepka, DJ, Patrick Reed, those guys now playing golf on a somewhat consistent basis with Rory, with Scotty Scheffler, with John Rahm. And for the golf fan, that probably is a good thing. But again, I have no idea how we get from yesterday's extremely vague press release with not a lot of clarity to 
oh yeah, these guys are going to play 16 tournaments a year, and uh, they are going to have some team events with it. There's going to be some 54-hole events. There's going to be no cuts, this and that. It's just very confusing to it all. Kevin, two things here. Andrew points this out. This will be water under the bridge in a month, and people will still watch golf. I don't disagree with that amongst the diehards. And there's a lot of diehards. So, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. But here is, okay, this is the best way that I can say it. And after I say it, Kevin, I want you to tell me as a major golf enthusiast like you are, if you think I'm being extreme, okay? When when the NFL, which is the 8,000-pound gorilla in this country from a sports standpoint, the only time that the NFL has really taken a PR hit and been at jeopardy of people indeed not watching it. What was the backbone reason for that? Five years ago or so. Uh, Players kneeling? Correct. I don't want politics in my sports, right? Yeah. When the NBA started getting backlash from people on talk radio and letters to the editor and, and tweets and whatever else... What was the reason for that? Yeah, more of a public I don't stance want, on social issues. Just shut matter. up and dribble. Yeah. I don't want politics in my sports. I watch sports to get away from politics. I watch sports to get away from the real world. I don't want to hear about politics in my sports. That I, I don't care if that's what you think, but I don't need to know it. That This is the narrative, right? And now... Many of the people who follow golf, that that the reason they followed it to a great extent was they are also the, the, the same group that didn't want politics in their sports. Now, there is no sport in the United States that has a greater immediate association to politics than professional yeah, golf. The PGA Tour is sport washing. That's what they're doing for the Saudis. Right. They are continuing to cover up the issues that that region has had for multiple decades the 9-11 element to it i think is beyond damning and again it goes back to my jay monahan thoughts at the start of the definition of a hypocrite absolutely soulless and what he did with 9-11 families over the past year and then to turn his back on them like that in one of the more slimy manners i've ever seen uh that is really hard for me to grasp and there's part of me jake that has to admit do i just accept scandal I watched the World Cup. I watched the Olympics. There's a lot of scandal in the IOC. There's a lot of scandal in FIFA. I think, again, the Saudis to me and their involvement in 9-11 takes it to another level. That's me personally. Um, but it just, it, it, it is slimy. It, that's where I'm at. Um, I do think there is still a lot of confusion. I was texting last night with a member of the PJ Tour He's actually a top 100 player in the world. And I go, you know, from what you know right now, give me your thoughts. And he texted back this. Again, top 100 player in the world, been on the PJ Tour for several years. Um, he said this. Shocked more than anything. I can't really comment intelligently until we find out further details. Long term, I would think it has to be good for golf as a whole. I think there's a good chance something happened behind the scenes that we may never know about that really pushed this deal through, although it still has to be voted on by the board members. 
Sounds like Liv is over after 2024. Um, Again, PJ Tour player, top 100 player in the world, sharing that with me last night. The the board and the policy and you know Yasir all and I butcher his last name every time. The governor of the public investment fund, the one that is you know in charge of all this money that they're bringing to the PJ Tour. He's now the chairman. Jay Monahan, the PJ Tour commissioner, is now the CEO, and there's a policy board in place. So how does all of that play out over time? Do we see the chairman, the Saudis, push people off that policy board that he doesn't want and wants his people on it? Does it become a Saudi majority, or does it stick to a PJ Tour majority like it is right now? Um, I think that is a question that I have. And Jake, it might be but, premature. But Kevin, what did you say at the beginning? What's undefeated? It's money. Yeah, there's your answer. Right. So yes, it it will be eventually Saudis. That, that that's kind of where I, I'm I'm guessing. It might be premature for this, Jake. But what we saw yesterday was. Really, the Saudis getting their first inroads into American sports. We've seen some stuff in the English Premier League with Newcastle United, one of the teams. We've seen some F1 involvement. Cristiano Ronaldo now plays for a Saudi soccer team. Yesterday was the first major inroads into whatever, the Western Hemisphere, however you want to describe it. Because basically, the Saudis wanted, want to do this. They want to say, oh, wow, all those companies over there that partner with the PGA Tour... I want to seat at the table with them. That that's what they're doing. Well, I, I want to introduce our economy to them. So that's what they've done with this deal yesterday. Is say, okay, you guys have this established brand with all these companies that we really love and we have no ties to. We'd like to get in on that. That was the goal yesterday, and they did that with all the money they have. Now the question for me also becomes this: Do we see some sort of Saudi ownership group, aka the Public Investment Fund? Do we see them own a Major League Baseball team in the next five to ten years? Do we see them try to buy an NBA team? Yeah, and do those leagues... Allow that? Yeah. Major League Baseball could use some revenue right now. You think the... Uh, insert your joke about the athletics, by the way. They scored, I think, 11 runs yesterday. Uh, transition. You think some of those bottom feeder teams in Major League Baseball could use $40 billion? From the public investment fund? That, I think, is something you have to acknowledge. And will we ever get to a point? I don't think we will because it's such a brotherhood and a fraternity. But to the earlier point, money is undefeated. Do we ever get to a point? Maybe it's 20 years down the road where you've got Saudi investment into multiple NFL teams. And how does that look? How does that all play out? Because what yesterday told me is the PGA Tour will have some events in that part of the world coming up very soon. And the goal is to wine and dine big-time American businesses and try to tap into our economy and partners. When does that start to sprinkle into one of the four big professional sports leagues here in the U.S.? I'm I'm simply going to say this. And I'll, I'll try to limit saying this to once an hour because I don't. It's not a can of worms I want to get into, nor do people want us to. So long as we have people who are seen as leaders of this country who prioritize or determine success or morality based on how much money it brings in, 
then this is the path that this country will always be headed. I'll simply say it that way. So long as we have people who prioritize the bottom line, and, and I, it's always been about the bottom line to an extent, I get Right, right. But we also had in this country a very defined limit on, we, ha- we always in this country had a price tag on our scruples. And we had a price tag, our, our values didn't have a price tag, I should say. We always had a very defined separation of the difference between, yes, it's great to make money. However, you have to have principle with it. That was always an American foundation. But that has gone away. And now that we have, now that there is voice out there that says, winning is defined by how much money you make, then this is the direction that a percentage of this country is going to be willing to take. And so it opens up a whole different Pandora's box. Yeah, the morsels of morality evaporated yesterday. And maybe I was naive and living in a fairy tale world to think that that still mattered. Um, and I also kind of laugh at people who are like, well, I mean, boy, did Liv win yesterday. Liv wasn't working. The money funding it was working. Correct. That's correct. Like, Liv wasn't about golf. It wasn't about competition. It was about sport washing, and it was about trying to tap into our economy and our power brokers. You know what it was, Kevin? No one was watching. No one was caring. They weren't winning in, in court. Players were complaining about it over there. Numerous higher-ups within Liv was leaving. But they had endless pools of cash. Liv was the big college booster, Jake, that says the athletic department, you want the new weight room? Then my son is a walk-on. Kevin. That, 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 that's what Liv was. No, Liv was the Trojan horse. Liv was the Saudis' way of saying, we want to overtake a sports league in the United States, so we're going to go ahead and create this sham league that people think is going to be a competition. We know it ain't going to work. We know that this is not going to have longevity or legs to it. But what it's going to do is they're going to figure out, by us failing and not having a TV contract and still being around and giving out money that is to an obscene amount, we are going to send the message to the PGA, we're not going away, and we're going to force them to say, you know what, as long as we're losing people over there and they don't seem to care that they're throwing gaboons of money and taking our stars away, holy cow, they have unlimited capital and so they're not going to go away. We need to to take care of this. And so Liv was a creation by that group to be able to facilitate for them to take over the sport of golf. That's what it was. Yeah. And I cannot stress this enough. Jay Monahan, an absolute soulless fraud, um, pleaded, begged for the likes of Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods and whoever else you want to throw into that group to get in the bunker with them, to stand up for the PJ Tour, do it in a very public stance, to call out Liv, to turn away millions. and I mean, we're talking a half billion Rory potentially turned down. Tiger, nearly a billion he turned down. And now all of a sudden, because the comma grew... And another zero was added onto it. He goes behind their back. He does this in a very shady manner, announces it on CNBC. And potentially, Jake, we're going to have the likes of, again, Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka, who took the money 
And we'll see what the ramifications are, but there's probably a good chance they come back to the PJ Tour without any sort of punishment. Right. And, and a bunch of money. Right. And a bunch of money. So, yeah, I, uh, boy, what a day. You think you ever see Tiger again? That's what I thought of. Yeah, you know, again, Mark, the majors being separate from the PGA Tour at Tiger's point of his career, we we, we probably will see him in that those settings. But, um, you know, it sounded like based off the PGA Tour is playing in Canada this week. They had a players' meeting yesterday afternoon. We'll play some audio coming up from that here in a little bit. But I saw a player tweet out there was a standing ovation in the room uh, asking for Jay Monahan to be fired. Yeah, I think that tells you probably everything that you need to know with this. Now, how player run is this tour? They say it is. Clearly, it wasn't with yesterday's meeting. Uh, Will Haskinson joins at 8.30. Again, tons and tons of questions on that end. Stephen Holder at 8 o'clock. Jake, it is an open OTA for the Colts coming up here later today. Shane Steichen is scheduled to meet the media. Uh, I get that this investigation is ongoing, but Chris Bauer's got to be at that podium, right? And not Shane Steichen? To talk about Isaiah Rogers? We're still gathering the facts. Right? This is more of an organizational thing than Shane Steichen two and a half months on the job. He probably had two conversations with Isaiah Rogers in his life. Isaiah Rogers did all these things reportedly under Chris Ballard's watch, not I, I think Shane a Steichen's very watch. I'm not saying it's their fault. But I think a thing that's going to be hard for fans to grasp that's a kind of damning concept for the Colts, I mean a blip, it's not like some huge thing, but is the fact that it appears as though Isaiah Rogers was well aware of this investigation for weeks, if not months, before the Colts even found out about it. And it also appears as though the Colts found out about this like the same time you and I did. Is the only reason we haven't seen Rodgers cut yet simply like legality with the NFLPA? I would assume. I mean, he hasn't been cited or charged right, 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 publicly. Right. Charged is the wrong word, but but in the in the court of the NFL law, he he has not been he outed himself, but he hasn't been outed. Yeah, the league has not issued anything on that end. So I'll be out there later today. We can chat about that and as. Snuck in there amidst a lot of live and Saudi golf combo. Uh, the Pacers have two solo workouts today. It just happens to be the two prospects that I am probably the biggest fans of for the Pacers at number seven. Um, so we saw last week with Cam Whitmore. Ben- your, your campaign last year worked with Benedict Matherin. Yeah, the, these are... I'm not quite on the Benedict Matherin train with either of them, but... If I'm getting on a train with anybody here, these would be the two guys. Uh, and again, two solo workouts coming up later today. We'll explain who those prospects are. Cam Whitmore from Villanova was last week. When the Pacers have the solo workouts, that means these guys feel like they are top 10 picks. Uh, how was your mom's 80th? Do you FaceTime her from Hilton Head? Uh, she sent me a text late, and then uh, apparently the condo where the entire family was staying, there was some wiring issue, and the fire department showed up in the middle of my mom's party, and I made a joke that maybe it was because of 80 candles, and then that was like the extent of it. Uh, for, this is weird. Now, you tell me if I should read into this. My mom's birthday yesterday. Every year, 
my family, meaning my parents, my two sisters, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, my niece, nephew, whatever, they all go to Hilton Head. It's a, a week-long trip that, that's like this big tradition, and they always seem to plan it around weeks where I have races. Now, like three months ago when I asked, what year is what week is Hilton Head this year? They said, oh, we're leaving uh, the like the Friday before the Indy 500 and then staying through until like the next Saturday. Would you be able to come? And I said, well, probably not. That's a fairly busy weekend for me. And then the, I have the Detroit race. And that's that's where we stood. For Every time I asked, they kept saying, we're leaving the Friday before the Indy 500. And then, all of a sudden, the Indy 500 rolls around, and it, everybody looks like they're here. And I find out it actually is this week that they went. So I, I think maybe this was all a smokescreen to keep hmm. me here while they all went and played in Hilton Head. Should well, I be reading into this? Well, I can't say I disagree well, you, with some of their thought process. <laughs> you did just remember it was your mom's birthday on that end. That day. No, no, yeah. no. I know my mom's birthday is June 6th. Matter of fact. That was some awkward audio yesterday. No, let me tell you this. It, it, let me tell you that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Several years ago, I stopped by my parents' house. I, I have a key to the house, obviously. They were gone. I walk in. The alarm is going off, so I have to go over and hit the code to turn off the alarm to let the police and the fire department know, yes, I am legitimately here. My dad had told me, your mother's birthday is the code. I shouldn't even be saying this now to people. I guess. Wow. Jeez, man. You want to you reveal the address so, while you're at it? So, your social security number. So I go in and I punch it in and nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. Now all of a sudden the police show up, the fire department shows up, everything. I said, Dad, what the hell? You told me it was mom's birthday. And he goes, well, it is June 3rd. I said, Dad, mom's birthday is not June 3rd. Oh, boy. So come on now. Cut me some slack. Even my dad, but I knew my mom's birthday was June sixth. I did not realize yesterday was the sixth. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I can fully endorse your take on that end of it. Uh, he is Jake Quarry. I'm Kevin Bow and Mark Dykton. As always, uh, guys, a little overcast, right? Raining this morning when I got in. Supposed to be beautiful by noon, 77, not a cloud in the sky by 1 p.m. Quite the debut last night in Cincinnati. The Reds continue to play. Well, I guess they, were, they weren't great over the weekend, but they're certainly better than the Cubs. Uh, hell of an atmosphere last night for the Reds. They went in a walk-off, and again, a big-time debut for them. Fever, Leah Boston continues to be very good at basketball. They lose a close one. Uh, and tonight, game three of the NBA Finals, Denver. Two and a half point favorite. Just did our, our whole morning check down, Mark. Begins you know. here. What are you even doing next thing? <laughs> you know, if, for, for people that go into work at 728, make sure we kind of cover our bases there. All right, fair enough. Stephen Holder, 8 o'clock. Will Haskett, 830. Kevin Aquari on a Wednesday. The morning check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. How about those red legs, Kevin? Let's go. <laughs> Don't look now, but here come the red legs. Mark, about time you played that. Three runs in the ninth, walk off over the Dodgers, but honestly, Ellie De La Cruz, the Major League Baseball debut for the number one prospect in MLB, certainly brought an atmosphere uh, pretty unseen in Cincinnati, especially as of late. Uh, Bad cleanup last night, uh, played third base, hardest hit ball of the red season, a double to the fence. I had a couple walks, um, sparked some things, certainly brought some energy, some life to the Reds franchise. Who would you say was the last Reds player to have this kind of buzz? There are two that come to mind for me. Well, I mean, not organically through the organization, but certainly when Griffey arrived. Let's see, Jay Bruce. I'll go with two cents then. 
Ooh, since Griffey? Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm not saying that had this kind of long term, but I'm saying like in the immediacy of their arrival was like, whoa. Araldus Chapman? Araldus Chapman's one of them, for sure. Okay. I, this might be totally off, but just like the sheer speed of Billy Hamilton? That's up there, but I, just, but again. I don't think anyone's in De La Cruz's category. But no, I, I get in terms of the long-term expectation. In terms of like an immediate buzz of like, wow, look at this young player. That This is fun to watch. Uh, Aquino was that way for like two weeks because he got out to this amazing start. But Araldus Chapman is the, is the one that I was, I mean, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of hype about Aroldis Chapman, and he backed it up. I mean, when he threw a 105-mile-an-hour pitch and everything else, I mean, there was a lot of buzz about him. Yeah, Chapman, I would say. De La Cruz, though, is just a pure position player hitter. I think it's just a different world. Um, so, so far, fun atmosphere last night, much needed for the Reds. Kind of a wild game. A uh, big comeback for them as they beat the Dodgers in a walk-off. Cubs lose the Angels 7-4. How about the Athletics? Ending a 15-game road losing streak. They are, by the way. Did they 10-run rule the Pirates? Do you want to guess their record? Was it the 13th win last night? They're 13-50. and 50. Can we get an update on the Royals, by they the way? They have 50 losses. Well, what's the Royals uh, record? Uh, the Kansas City Royals, thank you for asking, currently 18-43. and 43. Okay. So, we're knocking on that door. Five and a half game lead over the Athletics. Of the athletics. Mark, were you victory field bound last night by no, chance to no, see the triple A debut for Henry Davis, the number one no. overall pick from a couple no, years ago? I, I would love to watch him though. A four two Indians lose. One thirty five first pitch for those looking uh, to see Davis in action and the Indians today over at Victory Field. Jake, watch out. There's a there's a diamond back right on your heels. Oh, I can hear it. That would be reason to watch out. One game back of your little <laughs> Baltimore Orioles. Diamondbacks would probably eat some Orioles for a snack. Dude. <laughs> Do Orioles have heels? I don't know. They have those probably like little, little <laughs> I don't th- straw legs. Like they don't have like Achilles, right? No. God, you know, but that's that, that's the thing. Here's the thing. The Diamondbacks, mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're rooting for, you're rooting for a snake, okay? Your team, Jay Moynihan, right? Yeah, Monahan, yeah. Monahan, sorry. I, I'm rooting for cute fraud. Fella. Soulless Monahan. The, the the Baltimore. Just look at the cute fella on the hat. Hey, root for me. That's all he's saying. Mm-hmm. And you, on the other hand, going with a snake. Yeah, I so think we, it says a lot. What's your golf comp-, comp for your Orioles then? Trying to call that? the Diamondbacks what's, the Saudis here. Yeah, what's the golf comp for the Orioles? Rory McIlroy. Rory like, McIlroy. What happened? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. What happened here? It's, That's a horrible accent. It's Rory McIlroy. That's right. All. Uh, tonight, game three in Miami. It'll be the Nuggets and the Heat. Chevy Biasteros. 1-1. Uh, Denver favored in that by, by two and a half. Peaked you guys in su- 1980. <laughs> surprised at all the Nuggets are favored? Um, Maybe closer to pick them? No, because the Nuggets individually are the more athletic and better team. But collectively, my, uh, Miami, I'm telling you. Winner tonight, I always say this, you ready? Winner tonight wins the series. Yeah, I when it's ever the odd games in a series, I feel like typically that, that statement can probably be said, especially when you get into game three, game five, obviously game seven. Uh, but I, I do feel like it has that feel to it. This game is just, you know, huge for how the rest of the series will go. Game four is coming up on Friday. Uh, game five, which we know we'll have at least that would be Monday, or will be Monday in Denver. Uh, when does the NHL continue? When do they resume? Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
This is where we get the four straight days down in Miami. The Florida Panthers uh, hit the snooze button twice. So now's when they wake up, right? Well, they're fighting. They're not really scoring a whole lot or stopping Vegas from scoring on that end. Uh, speaking of scoring, a lot of scoring last night in the Indiana Fevers game against Chicago. Uh, they had a chance for a road victory there. Leah Boston with a rebound put back. I think it was like two or three seconds left, but Chicago scored on the other end to force it into overtime. 108-103, the Fever lose that one. Aaliyah Boston, though, 25-11. and Three straight losses by a total of 10 points. Yeah, it seems like they've had great chances late. Uh, safe to say Leah Boston has lived up to the number one overall pick hype. What they've got to do now is figure out ways to honestly, like effectively entry pass her the ball, to be honest with you. but I still laugh at Leah Boston doing our lowly show and Good Morning America in the same morning. <laughs> we, were the, we were the appetizer. Yeah, we, well, came here for – what are you wearing, by the way, Mark? Is that a it's Hawaiian a shirt? shirt. So it's a Bucky's baseball shirt. Bucky's Beavers. He's, he's got a baseball. How, how many Bucky's? Two. He's two rocked shirts. that before. Yeah. You only have two Bucky shirts? No. Well, no, I have three. See, every time I, I I pay attention, you know, yesterday, a peek behind the curtain here of, of just how awake and aware I am on this program. Yesterday, we had a meeting at like eleven thirty, and I said, "Oh, look, Kevin went home and changed." <laughs> he said, "I've been wearing this since six a.m." Oh, okay. I didn't pay attention. Yeah, I was like, that's quite humbling. So I didn't necessarily pay attention to your outfit on most days, Mark, but it seems as though when I do notice you're wearing Bucky stuff. It's every because time. the the cute fellow that's on the shirt catches he, your eye. He is a cute fellow. Now, would you wear the, if I bought for you, and I don't know when I'm going to be near, but although, you know what, the, the family, when they're coming back from their covert operation trip to Hilton Head without me, when they come back up through, they stop at Bucky's. Mm-hmm. If I had them buy one of the full Bucky's pajamas with the footies, would oh, you wear them? All in. You've seen them, right? Oh, I've seen them. Have you contemplated? The girls uh-huh. would love that, Mark. Uh huh. Same with the swimsuit. My wife said, "Don't even think about Excuse it." Excuse me. The 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 swimsuit, the Bucky Beaver swimsuit. There's you imagine. A, there's men's. Is and it women's. a speedo? <laughs> if there was, <laughs> maybe I that was a speedo. I was supposed to wear. It. If Tiger would have won the Masters. No, I'll be going through Bucky's. So did Tiger Woods find out about this on Twitter yesterday, like all of us? Seems like everybody did. Colin Morikawa, a bunch of guys were tweeting that they were like just finding out the news. We'll talk a lot about this Live Golf thing, Saudi Golf League, and the PGA Tour, what it means not only for golf, but potentially for other professional sports leagues. Again, a huge day over the Pacers facility, uh, two weeks and one day out from the NBA draft. Uh, two solo workouts, two guys that I am big, big fans of. And uh, more on the Colts. So I'll be up at the Colts Complex later today as we hear from Shane Steichen for the first time since the Isaiah Rogers reported violation. We'll be hear from Chris Ballard today. Stephen Holder going to join us at 8. Kevin Aquari on an Overcast Wednesday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Here in Indy. Boy, ain't that the truth? Everybody does have a price. Well played by Mark Dykton there. So we mentioned to lead off the show. Money doesn't talk. Money doesn't win. Money is absolutely undefeated. And we saw that yesterday 
in the merger of the PGA Tour. Merger is such a funny word. Uh, I don't... <laughs> the press release was incredibly vague yesterday, Jake, from um, the Saudis and the PGA Tour. There's so many questions I have about you know, how much money did Jay Monahan get paid or is getting paid to be the new CEO? Is this simply just, hey, here's our funds. Get us a seat at the table with all of your great companies in the United States. That's all we want, and we'll let you guys run it how you choose. Do you see more of a live aspect on the PJ Tour? Do we see 54-hole events? Do we see no cuts? Do we see music being played? Do we see shotgun starts? Do we see team events? Uh, is it going to be more of a global tour? I, I, I am actually not opposed to that. I, I enjoy that about golf and that you're able to play around the world. I'm curious about that, but tons and tons of questions, uh, and we'll ask uh, a lot of those to Will Haskett coming up at 8.30. There are two things that are possible here, Kevin. Scenario one would be that Saudi Arabian investors, government, whatever it might be, said, you know what? We like golf. Golf's become a a big-time leisure sport around the world, and we'd like to expand the world of golf to a more international audience. So we're going to start our own golf league. And we're going to we have unlimited capital, so we're going to pluck away some of the biggest stars to help get it running. And then after like a year or however long it's been, they said, gosh, you know what? This didn't have near the footing that we thought. But we have unlimited money, so we're just going to have to get a monopoly and buy out the competition. That's scenario one. Scenario two is that the Saudis said, you know what? We like golf. Golf's become really popular around the world. And um, quite frankly, we don't like the fact that the PGA runs things and is based in the U.S. and has a bunch of U.S. stars. and, and that they. So we're just going to go ahead and create like a shell league that we have no interest really in developing. But we have unlimited capital, so we can just keep it afloat until basically we make it clear that we're not going away and the PGA then caves and we're just going to buy the whole damn thing. Yep. Scenario two. They don't like golf, Jake. They like the money associated Correct. with golf. Correct. And it wasn't about again, growing the game. It was about how do we grow our economy in different parts of the world and how do we get next to... Jake, you're the CEO of, let's go with Workday. That was the sponsor of last week's tournament. Okay, and I'm Jay Monahan, the PJ Tour Commissioner. Mark is Yasser, the Governor of the Public Investment Fund. With yesterday's deal, Yasser says, "All right, Jay Monahan, me, uh, take me to the Workday event and introduce me to the CEO." That's what yesterday was. That partnership is now formulated 52 weeks out of the year, or however many weeks these PJ Tour events will be, and the Saudis can wine and dine American businesses either on their own soil with tournaments that I think inevitably will happen over there, or they just show up to these PGA Tour events. That That's what yesterday was all about. Not about growing the game, BS. Not about their love for golf, this and that. No, no, no. They want to get in the pockets of the golf world because they have strong partnerships with elite companies in the United States. That's all yesterday was about. And all the last really 12 months was about. I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. I said I was only going to say it once an hour, but this is twice an hour. Um I've done sports talk radio for a number of years now. When you do that, you get market research and you know you have bosses that tell you, like we've talked to the audience, they like, they like A, B, and C, etc. When 
Colin Kaepernick brought social awareness and politics into the NFL, people that didn't that were people that were opposed to Colin Kaepernick's politics masked their displeasure of his politics by saying they just don't want politics in sports period. It's not that I disagree with him. I just don't want that in my sports. I watch sports to get away from that crap. And when we would talk about it on the radio, the immediate reaction from people, probably rightly so, was, look, I I turn on the radio to get away from this stuff. Keep it out of my sports. That's the last area of, like, purity to me is my sports i don't want to have to to deal with and listen to political crap and that's totally understandable and totally fair and the nfl which is the eight thousand pound gorilla had about a two-year stretch where it was the seven thousand nine hundred and ninety eight pound gorilla because people got tired of the politics and, and Rating, I don't know if you would say ratings truly did dip, but there were people that felt like they were exhibiting a power by boycotting the NFL for like three weeks, even though they strangely were tweeting about it all the time. But but I digress. The NBA as well, when, you know, shut up and dribble. When LeBron James and other players became political and started talking about politics, people got turned off by the NBA. This now, for the first time, is taking the governing body of a sports league and making it 1,000% political. Because the government that is largely connected to the most horrific terrorist attack on the soil of this country is now being welcomed into running one of our most beloved sports leagues. And... People seemingly are okay with that because in the end, to your point, Kevin, we are seeing before our very eyes what we've always known, and that is to a large percentage of people, if not all, when it really comes down to it, victory and morality is defined by how much money it brings in. One more comma, one more zero. Okay, we can talk now. Uh, 9-11 Families United released this statement yesterday. And for those unfamiliar with how the PJ Tour and Jay Monahan, their commissioner specifically, was handling things over the last 12 months, he played up the 9-11 card a whole lot. Um, very vocal about that. It was probably one of the bigger debates between players going to the Live Golf Tour. Um, you had 9-11 you know, families outside of some of the Live events here in the United States. Um, and then seemingly all of that has gone away in Jay Monahan's eyes here in the last 24 hours. This statement yesterday from the 9-11 families united, I quote, PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan co-opted the 9-11 community last year in the PGA's unequivocal agreement that the Saudi Live Project was nothing more than sports washing of Saudi Arabia's reputation. But now the PGA and Monahan appear to have become just more paid Saudi shills, taking billions of dollars to cleanse the Saudi reputation so that Americans in the world will forget how the kingdom spent their billions of dollars before 9-11 to fund terrorism, spread their virtualistic hate, hatred of Americans and finance Al-Qaeda and the murder of, of our loved ones. Make no mistake, we will never forget. End quote. 
again. Hard to disagree. Uh, Rubs me the wrong way. I, I'll sit there and I will probably, you know, eventually watch golf. I'm not going to act like I'm some, you know, moralistic, you know, 365, 24-7 and oh my gosh, I'm high and mighty and there's no chance. It just, it, it I don't love it. I mean, when does it start to infiltrate more? Other professional sports leagues. That's a good question. I mean, does the does the NFL start to you know what if if I have no idea. I mean, what if I think we're a ways away from the NFL, Jake, because I think that that current ownership group still has enough historical significance in that league where you know a guy like Jim Mercer feels like he's such a steward I cannot see him deviating from what that general ownership group looks like and acts like and they want to maintain that for as long as possible but if you get into Major League Baseball or you get into you know Major League Baseball is probably the one that I keep on coming back to where revenue is a little bit more scarce. And I say scarce is a very loose term when you compare it to other professional sports leagues. That's where I think we could see something happen. And I don't know how it works. I know in the NFL, you know, to approve a new ownership group, you've got to have 75% of the owners vote that new owner in. I don't know if that's the same for all professional sports, but I think yesterday's news, Jake, was I would say all of us in our lives have thought about doing something and been a little hesitant about doing it. Oh boy, I don't want to be the first one. Oh, that just looks a little bad. That looks a little awkward. But then somebody else does it, and now you sit there and you sit back and say, oh wow, they did it. They're receiving all the backlash. If I am the second person to do it, I'll receive backlash, but I won't won't receive as much as they did. Instead of being a front page story for a week, I'll just be a front page story for two days. Can I withstand that? Think about all the second chances you give professional athletes. Deshaun Watson. It's worth it. I'll take a little bit of the backlash. I might not be the first one that jumps into it, but now that we've seen the PJ Tour get in bed with them, if I'm the second or the third, it might not be as frontline story like it is right now. Kevin, I'm not saying it hasn't always been the case, but we live in a world today where attention, admiration, ratings, and money have completely, in the undercurrent of this country, superseded principle. And it's probably true that that's always been the case. But due to the multimedia avenues of 2023, it now was totally on display for the world to see. And an area of the world with an unlimited checkbook decided to cash in on it. That's it. that's just my opinion. We'll get to Stephen Holder here in just a second. I did want to mention this before break. Um, Mark, are you familiar with the French soccer player, and I hope I'm saying this right, N'Golo Conte? Yes. Top, what, 10 player in the world? Yeah, Maybe even higher than that, top five. I, I, yeah. I don't know if he's in the top five, but one of the best soccer players in the world. Um, being reported that there's a meeting ongoing in London for him to sign a contract with a Saudi Arabian soccer team for 100 million, 100 million per 
season. Like These are some of the things we're starting to see. Cristiano Ronaldo, already there. Again, a player in his prime, one of the top five, top ten players in the world for soccer. Going there, going away from the EPL, going away from the version of the NFL for soccer. Um, It's individualized sports right now. It's golf. It's a little bit of F1. And, you know, I guess soccer necessarily uh, isn't individualized, but certainly these brands are in his case. You know, when do we start to see the wildfire spread to more team sports, more American professional sports leagues? I do think that is a relevant question with yesterday's news. Speaking of news, Isaiah Rogers, that situation, Stephen Holder was all over it. He's going to join us on the other side. Kevin Aquari here on a Wednesday. Quite the newsy Wednesday. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Here in the first full week of June. Again, a big workout coming up later today for the Pacers. We'll touch on that a little bit more on the live Saudi golf front. At 8.30 with Will Haskett, but the other big news item that we focused a lot of yesterday's shows show on was Isaiah Rogers and the NFL investigating him for a violation of the league's gambling policy. Stephen Holder was all over it, and he joins us now from ESPN.com. Um, Stephen, today we are scheduled to hear from Shane Steichen. It is an open OTA session. We get one of these a week. It just happened to fall on this Wednesday, so really the first time that important people in the Colts organization uh, we'll publicly speak about this. What details do you think we'll get? Slash, do you think Chris Ballard will take the podium, given the fact that this theoretically happened under his watch and Isaiah Rogers is a draft pick and Shane Steichen has known him for two months? Right. So, yeah, I do I do think that Shane Steichen will, will at least have to address the matter, at least in a roundabout way. Uh, whether he takes it head on, I don't know. Uh, they can kind of fall back on a, a truth, which is that the the investigation is ongoing. So that's that's kind of the one part of it where they have a little bit of an out. On the other hand, Isaiah Rogers has kind of owned this, you know, with his statement. And you know, it, it's it's not a guilty plea, but it you know it, it is a guilty plea. It just doesn't specify what he's guilty of. He didn't <laughs> but, deny uh, anything in that statement. Exactly, exactly. So it's basically a guilty plea. You know, now we can get into the weeds about, well, did you do this versus that? But he, he violated the policy very, it appears he violated the policy. And that is what we were told at ESPN.com as well. So uh, including betting on his own team. So anyway, to your point, to your question, I think Shane Steichen, he can't get up there. I don't think he can get up there and say, you know, we're not going to talk about that. We're here, we're just here to talk about football. I mean, he could. I just think that would be a bad look. I think he has to get up there and he has to at least talk about how they are handling this this topic generally. They have lots of other players on the roster, and this is uh, hopefully not the first time they've had to talk about gambling. I hope they have talked about this at length. So I think that's the area where he needs to – be up front and talk about how they, they handle this topic with their players and what kinds of messages they, they give them. I know that they talk about it, and I know that they, they should know the rules. So I think that's what he needs to impress upon people when he talks today. Steven, do you believe that, I guess a two-part question here, I would assume that the Colts 
have concern that this is not an isolated incident and that's not to say that there's any evidence that it is that it is not right. you know what i mean but but just naturally you would so to what level do you think they are now trying to explore that to make sure that they don't get kind of blindsided again which i think they were in this case and then secondly do you believe it is an isolated incident in terms of player well first off they they certainly were, were blindsided that is true and in fact uh when when this was unfolding on monday i was talking to someone in the organization a very high-ranking person who you'd know and they were getting information from me which i thought was just amazing um, because the NFL just never provided them with any information about this. They, they did not know the investigation was ongoing. They had not been briefed on it. The The leak came from, we believe, it, it appears, the, the leak initially came from uh, the the gaming industry sources or you know someone in that realm and not from the NFL side. So yeah, they were certainly blindsided by it. And it's a that's a terrible place to be as an organization, right? When when you have a huge story, I mean they had the top story in the in the NFL for at least that day and had no knowledge that it was that it was coming. It wasn't like some contract extension they'd been working on and and news got out. No, they had no control over this and no knowledge of it. So that's a terrible feeling. If you're the Colts I think you are moving heaven and earth right now to to talk to your players and communicate with your players, plead with your players, look, please learn from this, and please make sure you're not the next guy. Now, I think that probably needs to be true in every NFL facility right now. Uh, you know, one of the things, uh, JMB and I talked about this yesterday, and, and I was, as I was talking through it, it, it kind of, registered with me i just think the access to to online uh betting is just so easy the mobile betting is so easy the access is so easy and so casual that it doesn't feel like a big deal you know to a to a young man i would imagine right and some of these guys are kids you know isaiah rogers has been this is his fourth year in the nfl he's not a he's not a little kid but i'm just saying you know, you are dealing with very young men in, in a lot of cases, and it, it can feel very casual and not a big deal. I don't care. Like, personally, this is not a moral thing. I, I don't give a damn. You can bet as much as you want. I don't have any opposition to that morally. I'm just talking about it from a football perspective. I, you can almost understand why it doesn't feel like a big deal. Ah, I'm just betting 50 bucks. in my friend's name. Eh, what's the big deal? But they have... They have protocols, they have mechanisms set up to catch you. Because the NFL, they cannot risk it. They are not going to put their the integrity of the game at risk. And they don't care who you are. You are not bigger than the game in the end. And so they're not going to risk it. And, and these teams at this point, I mean, I think if you're a coach, I mean, I don't know if you can do this, but I, I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about all kinds of things as if maybe you just tell your players, hey, listen, delete the apps. Get the hell off of those things. We don't want to deal with it. Just it's not worth it. I mean, I don't know how the union would feel about that. Right. But, but Stephen, the the irony to me is the fact that the NFL wants to uphold the integrity of the game, but in reality, isn't the NFL actually making sure that they are upholding the integrity of the wagers of their consumer base? Well, fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, look, the integrity of the game, 
is not completely unrelated. No, it is. It is a factor there. Yes, because the, the last thing you want is to ever, 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 you know, give the question or raise the question that that someone may do something to impact the outcome of a game. That has not been even remotely suggested here. I'm just saying that's they're trying not to go down that that slippery slope, right? I understand that. Stephen Holder, I know what you do too. Sorry about that, Stephen. Uh, Stephen Holder's with us from ESPN.com. Stephen, the fact that it's Isaiah Rogers stands out to me for these reasons. If you were to have, if you and I had this conversation, which we have a lot of conversations regarding the Colts, but if we were to like sit here and be like, most important season for a player coming up in 2023, and you were going to make a list of Colts, you, in my opinion, you would have put Rodgers very high on that list. And again, there's several reasons why. First off, he's a six-round pick that made it to the end of his rookie contract, and I should still speak in present tense, has made it to it, and he's due more than $2 million this year. That's a big payday and a big increase from what he was making. It's a contract year, obviously. He plays a position where there's very little answers, short-term and long-term. When he's gotten playing time, he has shown some promise. It, it, I don't want to act like it's decimating to the Colts' season, but man, you talk about a dude that just risked millions of his future and a golden opportunity for $25 and $50 bets? I mean, boy, the level of stupidity is hard to ignore. I just, I don't get it, man. It's it's so disappointing. You know, I'm not, it's not about being preachy here. I'm not. Yeah, this is not a practice squad guy is what I'm getting at. This is not the the, the 13th man. This is not a backup punter on the practice squad. It's disappointing on a hundred levels, you know, because of all the ones you outlined. I, I do think you make a great point from a personal perspective. I mean, we saw Isaiah Rogers show up. And how many six-round picks have gotten picked in your time covering this team, Kevin, right? I mean, I don't even know what the number is. And I can't even name all of them, okay? Because they never stick around. (laughs) They never make it. Right. Very rarely, okay? And here, as you said, here's a guy who did make it to the end of that contract, plays out the whole contract, or is about to at least, um, and and has a golden opportunity. They cut Stephon Gilmore. Excuse me, trade Stephon Gilmore. You're probably his replacement. And you have this wonderful opportunity. I mean, do you know what a sort of middling starting veteran quarterback makes in the NFL? <laughs> I mean, you can make, you know, four, five, six million dollars a year for, and not be like that good. You can just be starting level and make that kind of money. And and all of it's in jeopardy now for, for Isaiah Rogers. And then there is the impact to the team. Uh, one of the things that, or one of the questions that had been asked quite a bit last year was why wasn't Isaiah Rogers playing in, in many instances? And there were there were many times when we thought that maybe he should have been out there over someone else who shall not be named. <laughs> and and that was because people saw his talent and his potential. And, and maybe the team was starting to agree with that because they were going to put him out there. And this opportunity was going to be his. He was going to have an opportunity to, to really make his case as a, as a free agent next year to the Colts and to 31 other teams. And now, I don't know. I mean, we have to assume the worst at this point. You know it's what, Stephen? I, I totally get it. 
I'm not here to exonerate Isaiah Rogers or to apologize for him, but I totally get it. When I was, and I know that it's easy for people to say like, well, what an idiot he was. I'm not saying you guys, but you know, I mean, just yeah. the narrative in general. He's This guy had millions and he, he wasted it on 50 bucks. I totally get it and I'll tell you why. I was a train wreck until I was like 29 years old. Yeah, I, I wasn't going out and, and doing a bunch of drugs. I wasn't going out and, and getting involved in like, you know, criminal activity. But I had I had no comprehension or grasp of how my actions, what they meant long term. And I can only imagine what it would be like. I have no idea Isaiah Rogers' background, but I have no idea what it would be like at 23, 24 years old to suddenly make you know, huge money and, and seemingly have that all right there where now all of a sudden the rules don't necessarily apply. They can tell you the rules apply to you. They can tell you all you want. I knew when I was 17 years old that I grew up in an environment with loving parents that things that would sink a lot of people probably didn't sink me so like i half listened to the i was aware of the rules i didn't grasp the rules and for this for players in today's nfl steven i'll be honest with you you can't swing a dead cat in an nfl stadium and not see an ad for any of five different gambling apps you can't go on the website of one without seeing it you can't watch a game without seeing a hundred different commercials and if you are a player i can totally see why the desensitized legality nature of the sports gambling that is ubiquitous around you would suddenly creep into your conscious of just simply feeling like that means the penalty and the ramification of it doesn't apply to you and for me to sit here and act like i wouldn't have done the exact same thing when i was that age or fallen victim to it is totally in my opinion naive of who i was now that's just me but i can totally see why it happens yeah but jake did you have two and a half million sitting there in year four and the chance to make generation if i had two and a half million sitting there in year four kevin it would further cement to me the fact that i'm bulletproof would would you risk it though for 25 and 50 dollars i wouldn't have had the wherewithal of the mature i'm i'm being honest about me now and i'm an anomaly i realize but i was not mature enough to think about kevin the long-term impact of it yes to answer your question yes i would have because i was too immature what's that steven so that equation that kevin laid out there that that wasn't something that would register with you I, i get what you're saying and i would say look i mean I'll, I'll cop to it, right? I mean, I was young once. <laughs> it was a long time ago. But, like, you know, I'm, I'm a 22-year-old kid in, in South Florida, you know, hanging out on South Beach on Friday night. Should I have taken a cab home a few times? Yeah, probably, you know. But did I think about what was at stake? No, not really, because I was an idiot. And so there is, there is that aspect. And I'm not speaking for Isaiah Rogers. I'm just speaking for, you know, generally how, how these things happen. I, I do understand that. Uh, I do think, though, on the, the devil's advocate side is, I think when you are in the NFL, and whether it's Isaiah Rodgers or anyone else, when you are in the NFL, I do think you, it, there's, a, there's a little bit of a sobering up, if you will, to continue the metaphor, I guess, um, where you understand, you start to understand the stakes, and you know that you are held to a different standard, all of those things, whether it be gambling or anything else, right? You, you, you tend to understand that a little bit better because you now live a different life and you have a different set of circumstances than most people your age. So I, I like to think that that's, that's true, but I also agree that they are inundated. We are all inundated with uh, sports betting 
everywhere you look, everywhere you, you, you online, on TV, everywhere. And, and as I said earlier, I really think one of the big things is the accessibility to it. It's just so easy. It's so, so easy. You know, I mean, I was watching the Kentucky Derby a few weeks back. I couldn't name a horse in this thing. Okay. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I downloaded an app and I'm going to place a bet. Right. You know, and it's like, I, I think I lost 40 bucks. I don't know. I'm not, my kids aren't going to miss a meal. Right. It's not a big deal. But that was so easy, maybe too easy. I don't know, you know? So I think that's part of it. It's just so, so accessible. Steven, last one for me. And again, Steven Holder, ESPN.com, with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Uh, I guess before I get to my question, could you lay out again from a timeline standpoint, you believe the Colts did not know about this, and I should say Colts slash NFL did not know about this until earlier this week, but Isaiah Rogers knew about it dating back several months? Well, no, the NFL did know because uh, they, they were conducting, they have been, from our information, have been conducting the investigation. So why don't they tell the Colts? Well, that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. And I, I think this is kind of um, typical, I guess, of, of how this works, um, where they go through the process and then when they have their findings, I guess they report it to the team. That's my understanding of it. So I was told that that's not that unusual. The reason these things get out though, is the the NFL has to employ other agencies and entities to kind of get to the bottom of it. The NFL doesn't have access to, to bank accounts or, or, you know, betting accounts, et cetera. So they have to employ third parties to kind of help them get the, the evidence and, and track it down. So, so that's how this all comes together. But no, the Colts, that is correct to, to answer your question. They were not aware until Monday is my understanding. Okay. And then uh, we're going to have Dave Burkett on tomorrow. I know he's a colleague of yours or yep. um, covers the lions and the lions have been a, a handful of guys have gotten in trouble for gambling. So I kind of want to get Dave's perspective on, on, how that came to fruition and, and just, you know, they've had guys that were suspended different lengths, et cetera. One of the questions I want to ask Dave, and I'll throw it your way, and I don't know if you know this, so um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not expecting you to know. Do we know exactly kind of how Isaiah got caught? Like, is this a geolocation thing affiliated with the um, team complex? And if you do it at the team complex, boom, it, you know, sparks something with these betting apps and they contact the third parties, to your point. I, I guess I'm just more curious from a, I don't know, an FBI sense or a CIA sense, how he got caught. Yeah, there is a little bit of a, you know, CSI angle to this, you know, and I don't know that answer, but you, you actually raise one possibility. If he, if he did do it from the, the team facility, that would set off alarms because that's something that they, they look for. That is explicitly prohibited. And that is, I, I believe two or three of the players caught up in the last wave were popped because they bet on other sports from the team facility, and that is a no-no. Now, they got lesser suspensions than players who bet on actual NFL games because the the violation was not considered to be at the same level. It's still a violation, though. I, I believe they got six games, those guys. So that's still a pretty significant suspension. Here, the allegation is that we believe he bet on NFL games and perhaps Colts games, which is basically – the absolute worst offense. So 
it, it won't be good if, if that's established. If the NFL can establish that, then that's the key. If the NFL can establish that, it's not going to be good for for Isaiah Rodgers. But no, I do not know specifically how he got caught. But I think what we what we can say is that the NFL has processes in place that really, really are are reliable. Apparently, because they can catch guys uh, who are doing these things in in not a, an obvious way. Apparently, Stephen, in your opinion, on in the grand scheme, on a scale of Dominic Rhodes whizzing himself in a cop car to the Pacers brawl. This will stick to the image of the franchise how much or for how long? Oh, I don't think it necessarily tarnishes the franchise. I, I think it's it's more a matter of they've had they've had an interesting past year. So, you know, I had a colleague text me something along those lines, like, man, it's always something out of left field with your team and <laughs> And I was like, you know, that's a fair point. Um, and then, and really, that hasn't been true for years and years, but it's been true recently, I guess. You know, you know whether and that was clearly a reference to last season. Lots of crazy things happening. So I don't think it sticks to the franchise necessarily. I, I do think that this is an individual decision, uh, not anything organizational. So I don't worry about that part so much, uh, particularly because. Isaiah Rodgers is, while he's an important player for the Colts, he's not a household name. So I, I think that is, you know, the reason. Now, if it were more like a Detroit situation where they had five players caught up, then you become synonymous with this kind of story. Uh, that I don't think is the case here. See, I'll, I'll tell you what. Good thing. In my opinion, just my opinion, but here's what I can see in in the Jake Quarry crystal ball here. Okay. Hmm. I'm going to merge both of our big stories this morning into one. The Saudi Arabian money in golf (laughs) a year and a half ago was inconceivable and grotesque and mortifying to virtually everyone. And now that they have gotten their hands firmly on golf, the answer from a lot of people is, yeah, but it's everywhere. I, I, I yeah. mean, the, 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 just just accept it. I mean, the Saudi money. This it's not a big deal. They better they they they're involved in everything. It's just it's 100%. just how it is, right? Right now, we are mortified at the thought of a guy using a sports gambling app in the NFL and getting suspended for it. And I have a feeling in a year, we're going to say, yeah, it's kind of everywhere, though. I, I mean, give the guy a break, slap him on the wrist, but it's everywhere. Our, no, it's our, not a terrible prediction. Our barometer yeah. changes, man. Yeah, it's not a terrible prediction. I, I think I actually feel like there's there, it could go either way, I actually think. And, and when I say that, what I mean is I think the NFL could either go that direction and say, okay, look, guys, do whatever you want. Just do not bet on your games, which whatever. I don't know how they, how they prevent that, but whatever. Or they could go the other way and say, all right, guys, listen, you guys are not getting a hint here. We're shutting it down. Like, you guys ain't betting at all. Now, I don't know, you know how that, uh, from, a, from a union standpoint or legally, I, I don't know, workplace rules, I don't know how they can enforce that or, or if that's even enforceable. But, I, but I, that, that's possible, too. I think everything's on the table. I don't know where this is going to go and, and which way, but I think – I think it could be either one because they. This is becoming. This is certainly more prevalent than they ever want to admit. So it'll be interesting, though. But you make a good point. 
I think you you mess with the integrity of the game, and, and, and that is something that owners in the league takes really, really serious. Yeah, I don't I disagree. Mean, but what I'm they saying looked is, looked into deflated footballs seemingly Kevin, for I tot- a decade. I totally agree. But what I'm saying is, our distance of what we feel comfortable with to consider it in tampering with the integrity of the game that that goal line keeps moving, right? Well, here's here's the thing. I mean, here's the thing. Here's what I'd say. I, I agree, but in the end, in the Saudi and excuse me, the Live and PGA issue that really boiled down to okay, the the money we can all make money more money if we do this, right? So ultimately, it was a financial decision, right? And and here, when Kevin's point about integrity of the game is also a financial decision, right? Because the the betting the the online betting is making a lot of money for the league. If that's ever undermined at all, even just in appearance, then that could affect their bottom line. So that's a financial decision, too, to some degree, if that makes sense. So, so I do think, ultimately, there, there's money's a motivating factor in multiple ways here. And, and that's what it boils down to. It, it doesn't boil down to, I think, optics as much as just what's going to affect us financially. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. Steven, thanks for hanging in for a few more minutes with us there. I know we kept it pretty long, and uh, we'll see you later today. All right, guys. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com. Uh, Will Haskett, talk more on the Saudi PGA Tour front in a few. Let's do a quick morning check down. The morning check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Game three tonight, NBA Finals, 8.30 tip from South Beach. Denver, a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. Doesn't sound like Tyler Hero will be back for Miami. There were some rumors about him potentially getting back for this game three. But goes without saying, 1-1, it is a monumental one tonight. I'm telling you, now I'm going to say this four more times and keep changing it depending on which way the wind's blowing. Uh, winner tonight wins the series, right? I, as much as I would like to you know, counter that, I think you're right. <laughs> and honestly, Jake, I don't have a great feel about the game. Totally agree. Totally I said agree. Denver in five, and now I'm sitting here like, man, that, oh boy, that game two just, oof. for some reason. I just don't feel good about it from a Denver standpoint. Speaking of basketball, Fever lose last night in Chicago, 108-103. Had a chance to win in regulation. Couldn't get one final stop. Aaliyah Boston, the number one overall pick, 25-11. and 11. Major League Baseball yesterday, Reds over the Dodgers. Don't look now, but here come the Red Legs. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. That means a lot. 9-8 winners. Maturity and from Mark Dykton. The future arrived last night for the Reds, right? The future, Ellie De La Cruz. Awesome atmosphere. And again, Jake, I know you probably won't love this because it's deep into some analytics. Uh, he hit the hardest hit ball for the Reds all year long last night. And I believe he had the fastest time on the base pass from a speed standpoint and the third fastest. That's of the season. Now, the hard hit ball, was it where did double. it go? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, double off the wall. And then um, I think it was on the double where he recorded one of the fastest speeds. And then coming home from second was when he recorded the other one. So, again, a pretty unique prospect. Played third last night. Back cleanup, by all accounts, number one ranked prospect in Major League Baseball. Uh, so, shockingly, a somewhat exciting time for the Reds. <laughs> uh, by the way, other scores. White Sox yesterday were winners. So, too. Red Sox over the Guardians. It was the Cardinals losing to the Rangers 6-4. Cubs losing to the Angels 7-4. Athletics 11-2 over the Pittsburgh Pirates. 
Boy, I tell you, I thought about going shirt off today to celebrate that. And the Omaha Storm Chasers over the Indians 4-2. They, there Is that were why no, it rained today? No storms in the area, so they figured they'd play baseball, oh. right? 135 first pitch over at Victory Field later today. Will Haskett, I got a million questions for him. He joins us next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Well, Haskett going to join us here in a few from PJ Tour Radio. Um, looking forward to getting his thoughts on everything that transpired here over the past... 24 hours. Pretty good day for Will. I know he uh, filled in from noon to 3. Pretty good day to have him in that seat, right? Yeah, I would say when you're talking about golf and just the business inner workings of golf, there would be few who know better, Kevin, which is why he is a timely guest for us this morning as well, right? Very timely. Will Haskett joins us now. Will, I've got 1,000 questions, so appreciate the time here, and I know um, outstanding job yesterday from noon to 3. You and Jimmy, I thought, handled it very well. And, of course, your knowledge, uh, second to none here from a station standpoint. Um, your level of stunned shock when you saw everything transpire on CNBC, of all places, yesterday around 10 o'clock. Yeah, I mean, I got a, I said it on the air yesterday. I got a text from Scott Agnes that was just like, hey, what's going on with the tour or something along those lines? Like, can you believe this or something like that? And, I mean, I wasn't on. I didn't have CNBC tuned in. I didn't have a rolling scroll of social media on. And I was like, what are you talking about? You know, I mean, this was something that had no smoke. You know, this wasn't anything where insiders, where top players, where half the actual policy board, like anybody knew. So everybody coming to grips with it at the exact same time with no leak, with no advanced story, with no anything is, is stunning in the first place. Like no matter what the level of story is and then to have it be this kind of out of the blue and what is, you know, sort of, I guess, pitched as a resolution um, and a path forward was, was shocking also. So yeah, I mean, it was, Total stunned. I mean, if it had happened while I was on the air yesterday, I don't really know how I would have been able to process it. Thankfully, it happened two hours before we had the show. Um, and we quickly were able to pivot from three hours of mock trade scenarios for the Pacers to, hey, look, I get to talk about golf in Indy in the middle of Jen. It seems like, Will, to use an Indy 500 analogy, we're on like lap two of 200 in terms of ironing oh, yeah. out the details of what exactly this is all going to look like. As best you understand it, we are looking at a Saudi-funded PGA Tour or we're looking at a totally separate golf league uh, on top of the PGA Tour with who in control? Is it the PGA Tour policy board or is it the Saudis with uh, Yasser all I forget how to pronounce his last name, uh, the governor of the public investment fund uh, as the chairman and the ultimate controller of it? Yeah, so it's. I think it's more of the formal, the former. The only thing that really, and, and Jay Monahan talked about this yesterday with his limited press availability after the players' meeting, which uh, to be a fly on the wall in that room would have been um, unbelievable. But the the only thing he said is like they have a framework agreement, and the main crux of reaching the agreement in the first place was merely to end their mutual sort of litigation against one another, the various lawsuits and antitrust suits that have been filed and everything, and that everything else is still to be sort of worked out and that framework still has to be voted on and approved. So yeah, when you say we're on lap, 
you know, two. It, I mean, I don't even know if we've necessarily started the race to having what 2024 is going to look like. And so it's, it's leading to sort of wild speculation. You're reading between the lines, like whose name was or wasn't mentioned in press releases, how they're sort of structuring it. But it seems to me, if you read uh, based off the press release, that there's going to be a for-profit combined entity between the PGA Tour, the PIF, or Live Golf, as it's structured right now, and the DP World Tour. And that for-profit entity is going to handle a number of sort of the marketing and money and rights-holding sort of bases that is able to, I guess, profit off of the professional game of golf. But the PGA Tour, as a 501c6 nonprofit organization with all of its independently run tournaments and schedule, is still going to be run by the PGA Tour. It's just this for-profit entity that has all of the influx. Now, what? how much of that money trickles down to support the PGA Tour's model, you know, th- that's all business stuff that you know I don't really know about. But it seems to me that it, the PGA Tour has maintained much of its own level of control of its tournament and its schedule while also creating this very beneficial combined group that is going to help fund a lot of things. And and this probably leads to a follow-up question of why that was necessary. And again, I think the ending the litigation and sort of the disruption in the game seemed to be the motivating factor from both sides. And then I think both of them were then also equally motivated to try and find a way to save or fix their products moving forward. The PGA Tour running out of money. And I think PIF recognizing that live was just not being accepted as a viable golf option and trying to find a way to sort of more legitimize their investment in the game of professional golf. Well, I, I look, let's go back to this. I mentioned this earlier. Will Haskett is our guest on the Payless Sugars hotline for me personally. And I'm, I'm, offering this only for the probably less than 50% of our audience who are in the same boat as me, which is, um, you know, golf viewer, but not necessarily diehard every event fan, right? Mm-hmm. The I know what the racing open wheel split did in diluting the product for the average fan and hurting long-term the fan base. Now, it's a little different because that split was multi-years as opposed to this, which is all developed kind of quickly. But nonetheless, there was a clear divide for years there of like, well, that guy's a cart driver, that guy's an IndyCar driver, and then other people like, wait a minute, what the hell's the difference anyway between the two, et cetera, et cetera. Does golf run that risk at this point? Two-part question. So the first is, does confusion now run as a risk towards golf's fan base? No, I think I think a lot of the motivation for these sides coming together is that they didn't want to get so far down the rabbit hole of confusing the fan base and splintering that what we've recognized so far in 2023 is that the majors, which again, a majority of the people listening to this interview are probably only watching the majors from a golf fan standpoint anyway, but that the majors became infinitely more important to the product of men's professional golf, because it's the only time you are going to see all the top players in the world playing against one another. And so in that regard, other PGA tour tournaments and even live golf to an extent, couldn't maximize their draws for the PGA Tour. They couldn't satisfy sponsor and broadcast right holders' wishes because you couldn't see Brooks Kepka in a PGA Tour event. You couldn't see Dustin Johnson or Bryson DeChambeau or Phil Mickelson in a PGA Tour event. And I think Liv also expected to be able to get every single big name over to their product, and that didn't happen either. And so 
to avoid year after year diluting your own product by not having the best fields, this, again, agreement in principle opens the door back to allowing the the two main longstanding tours, the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour, to have these players come back and play. And what that means for the rest of live, I think, is still a very important question. Like, is it going to be a 14-tournament series next year? Is it going to get down to, you know, a, a, a five or six event? What, what's it going to be? Like, I feel like its future is much more up in the air in terms of what its schedule looks like than the other existing tours. And so the idea is that they get ahead of this recognizing that professional golf outside of the four majors was not going to have an audience. And one of the things that I always think about is, and I'm not, I'm not in, um, informed enough to talk about the world of tennis, but a lot of people in golf talk about tennis and the fact that outside of the four majors in tennis every year, the best players in the world kind of splinter all around the globe and play, you know, three different tournaments in the same week. You know, one's in DC and maybe one's in Madrid and then one's somewhere in Thailand. And outside of the majors, you never get to see all the best tennis players together. And some people who I trust say that it's kind of hurt tennis as a global sport having that. And golf just did not really get down that road where its best players were being asked to choose one way or the other. Okay, so the other question then, Will, is do you believe it will hurt golf's long-term popularity in this country or even short-term popularity in the fact that we have a sector of the population that utilizes sports to escape the nonstop chatter of politics. I'm only going by what people told me when they were deciding not to watch the NFL and the NBA. They didn't want politics in their sports. Right. Now we have a sport that is being run and bought by one of the biggest, depending on who you listen to, political opponents of the ideology of the foundation of this country. Is that going to hurt golf? It's a great question. Um, I, I talked about yesterday on the air. I mean, Middle Eastern money is coming. And, yeah, I think the only impenetrable bubble to that right now would probably be the NFL. Um, I don't know how long it's going to take until you have, you know, the PIF. Or, I mean, it's it's a head story on ESPN.com today that the Glazers might sell to a Qatari prince for Man United. You know, I mean, it's it's already in soccer it's already in f1 it's already in a, a number of different places around the world and cash rules but i was told um, that, that i was that told that this country we have morals will we have principle right we we don't we well, don't buy we're, into no we're capitalist first i mean let's be honest. i mean of course on. i mean i'm obviously you, you realize i'm i'm being i know you are here. yeah yeah i know like there look if i think the pga tour tried to play to both sides like, was there enough corporate sponsorship money to then still also do the right thing? But at the end of the day, you know, many of these players want whatever they feel like their market value is. And I think that live in inflated what many of their market values are, but it also um, identified the reality that these players maybe weren't being compensated fairly compared to the rest of these giant organizations that they're trying to uphold. And then, yeah, I mean, from where the money is coming from, sure, there are going to be plenty of people that have that issue. But uh, I said this yesterday in the air. Um, you know, golf is always catered to the rich, the wealthy, uh, an older demographic. You know, eventually capitalism sort of wins out in our society. And I don't necessarily think that golf's core audience is going to be turned off by the concept of money. 
Again, Will Haskett with us from PJ Tour Radio. Will, I was sharing some texts yesterday with a guy who's ranked top 100 in the world, and he mentioned, and you have mentioned this a few times throughout this segment, that this still has to be voted on by the board members. I mean, do you think there's a possibility this could be voted down by the board members? It just depends what the structure is. I mean, if the structure is, hey, this is our tournament schedule next year, and it's going to have you know this number of designated events, and the purse sizes are going to this. It, it kind of goes back to Jake's question: like, by what are you going to? If you vote it down, what are you voting against? You're voting against playing opportunities with more money. You're voting against your uh, livelihood for. I mean, on on the basis of moral grounds, on the basis of we weren't told about this at the very beginning. I, I understand that that makes a lot of. Um, emotional sense in the moment, but if if the, if the if the motivation yesterday was truly to save the structure of the PGA Tour the way that it was and maintain the same level of playing opportunities with more money, I just can't see a majority of the players being like, "Oh yeah, I about no to this. We want to go back to the old way where we were literally running on reserves to try and stay afloat in this competitive landscape." I, it's it, it's a tough pill to swallow, I think, for a guy who maybe isn't a top 20 or 30 player in the world. But then when you really step back and think about it, it's like, well, I want to be to that level. And if I get to that level, it's great. And this is the only way that supports an opportunity for me to go and play for millions of dollars every week. I just don't, I don't, I don't know what the alternative is that they're going to come up with. So I, I think over the long course of time, when there's actually a tangible plan in place, that, yeah, I think that they're, they're going to vote for it. I think it's very easy to have a knee-jerk reaction to not being told anything yesterday, which is a completely justifiable um, anger. But it's going to be months before there's something for them to even consider. And at that point in time, their livelihood and their long-term survivability is probably more at the front of their mind than how they felt they were treated yesterday. Well, I always ask you kind of a stupid Tiger Woods question, so I'll apologize sure. up front for it. But uh, I'm sure you have a feeling that it, it, it was coming. Um all right. Uh, better no, he's not playing in the U.S. Open next week. He's, not, uh, he, he's still recovering from surgery. I cannot wait for LACC next week. Uh, better chance Tiger finishes top five in another major in his life or the public investment fund owns an NFL team in the next two decades? Oh, wow. Um, two decades is a pretty wide margin. I'll, I'll, say the, I'll say the latter to that one. Um, two decades is a long time. I mean, I brought this up on the air yesterday. I mean, if... If you are the Ursays and you decide you want to sell tomorrow and your market value is five and the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia offers you 10. Sure. You walk into the meeting with your fellow owners and you, and they're like, we're going to turn this down out of principle. It's like, you'd be furious if you're the Ursay family. I'm not, again, I'm not saying that they wouldn't or wouldn't. I mean, this is just me you know, speculating with that. But it could totally happen. That's a drop in the bucket to them. I think and the NFL will hold on longest. Sale. I think the NFL will hold, will hold on longest. But Major League Baseball, I, I could see it happening, I, hell, in the next five years. I mean, I said yesterday in the air, too, it's like if, if the public investment fund decided that they think they could make a significant amount of money with an investment in the NHL, they could probably buy the entire NHL right now if they wanted to. I mean, they can, you know what I'm saying? They can go to every single owner, and they have the cash to be able to make that happen. Like, I mean, just think about that for a second um it'd be it'd be crazy so yes i believe that there are enough billionaires 
who recognize they can make a lot more money in the NFL, and that sort of boys' club, to steal a, a worse phrase, is probably as tight as anyone could be. But if they want to outbid you, they can outbid you. You know, Will, to me, and this is the cynic in me, the I agree with your statement. Golf, we'll use golf as the example. Golf is a sport that largely... And Tiger Woods gets a lot of credit, obviously, for expanding the horizons of golf. But traditionally speaking, golf was a sport that was dominated by people who liked it because it was the sport of the exhibition of wealth or of capitalism or of money, right? And and yet, a lot of those players, when they got done playing golf, liked to have a cigar and a drink because they loved the fact that they were able to show that they lived in the financial most powerful country in the world. And now they basically are saying, well, I mean, it's cool that the Saudis are going to take over our sport because they're going to do it everywhere. And yet that shows right there that that exhibition they believed in is now a myth. Yeah, well, I think a big part of it, though, Jake, is it's the concession to the reality. It's, right, that's what I mean. You know, a year a year ago right now, we were we're in it. Like, we're going to go to all the sponsors, and we're going to put our hand out and say, look, we need we need to double up because it's the only way we're going to be able to compete. And I will say this for Jay Monahan's sake. Like, he has said from the very beginning, like, we cannot financially compete. But we're going to do our darndest to create a product that at least entices our players to stay for the right reasons. And we didn't even make it. We made it almost exactly one year to the week that everything kind of blew up last year. And they started to realize that it was untenable with the legal fees, with the additional purses, with all of the expenses that were sort of coming down. And this is sort of the only way forward to try and keep the sport kind of afloat. And yeah, you're right. You're resigned to it. And I would love to sit here on a moral high ground soapbox and say that there's a way forward and that everybody should say no but again the money sort of talks and to sort of go back full circle totally. like, I, I get I would, it i would hate and i would hate it if the pif came and bought one of our indianapolis franchises but you know hey kb if if the saudis bought the colts and then they rolled out a 600 million dollar contract to deandre hopkins to give us some wide receiver help would you be okay with that you know uh-huh. what i'm saying like i mean it's like i have to play some ballard <laughs> audio for that <laughs> yeah that's right you know what i'm saying like i mean it's it, it's such a weird weird time to be alive as a sports fan. Yeah, that's that's well said. Well, if you don't mind, I've got two one, two quick ones. Hopefully, before we um, before we um, hang up, and appreciate the the time you've been outstanding. Um, this might be a dumb question. If Brooks Kepka doesn't almost win the Masters and then win the PGA Championship, does this happen as soon as it's happened? I don't think so because according to Jay Monahan. They've been meeting for seven weeks to sort of broker all of this. Right, and seven weeks goes back to the Masters. I'm just, I I don't know, I'm kind of, maybe I'm giving Brooks too much credit, but it seemed like that gave some credence to live at a time when the ratings weren't there, players were, you know, behind the scenes whispering about, ah, I don't know if I love it, people in their structure were leaving their organization, et cetera, et cetera. I think it just showcased that it was how divided the sport was beyond those weeks you know we've talked about it on the show before it, i mean i don't think brooks was up there waving a live flag sure it just was then after the after the fact people were like well man it kind of stinks that these are the only weeks we're able to see this and i think both sides recognize that you know i think that the, the, that's what needs to kind of be this isn't necessarily like live has won and has bought the pga tour or 
fully that the PGA Tour is coming in with their tail between their legs. I do believe that they've both said, look, we don't believe that we can survive effectively moving forward our own separate ways. And they came to the table and figured out a way, at least in principle, to try and make this a go together. Yeah, a bit of a knife to a gunfight. Okay, uh, and then last, last one. The schedule moving forward for the PGA Tour, as best you are to guess about it, are we thinking more global, more team events, more 54-hole events? We're not touching the majors. Is that kind of the general thought here? Uh, my thought is nothing changes in the PGA Tour schedule the way that we're going to build it moving forward next year, which is this combination of you know three non-designated events and then two designated events. The, the only question that I think is the larger one is is how large is Liv's schedule and then how does it work? Because if you're now in this partnership, I, I can't I can't foresee a scenario where the PGA Tour and Liv have two full field or full events sort of running next to each other. So does it become an exhibition in the fall? Does it become a, um, you know, does, do you work in some sort of weeks to sort of do it? These are all um, huge questions that we just don't know. But in listening to the words the commissioner said last night, I think it's, you would expect to see the same PGA tour schedule. It may not, it may not be 44 events next year, but upper thirties to around 40 tournaments and then figuring out a way for live, um, who a lot of these players are taking victory laps on live. And there's, there was nothing mentioned yesterday on their social media channels or through those press releases that gives us any assurance that live even exists next year. So, I mean, I, who knows on that one, but I, right now it feels that the PGA tour schedule is far more locked into being very similar to what it was going to look like than anything from the live golf standpoint. 600, 600 million seems rich for Deandre Hopkins, right? Sure, but I mean, when you got when you're literally making a billion dollars a day in interest, <laughs> does it really matter? I, I mean, it's two hundred million seemed rich for Phil Mickelson and Bryson DeChambeau, et cetera. Well, terrific, terrific. Yesterday, noon to three, terrific with us right now. Appreciate that. See you guys. Will Haskett, PGA Tour Radio. If you had if you had six hundred million a year, what would you do with it? I don't even know where to begin. Still showing up for seven to ten. Yeah, still grinding away here. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Eating Long's Donuts and I have, throwing back a few beers on occasion. If I hit for $600 million, I have wonderful news for the two of you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We, we have anything we, of a new new title for the I show? I don't know. I don't know who would feel richer, me or the two of you. Would we share in that joy? <laughs> is what you're saying there? Uh, Nine o'clock hour. We'll get in a little bit in some Pacers conversation. Huge draft workout coming today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's the 9 o'clock hour in Indianapolis. Technically speaking, it's the 9 o'clock hour everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Quarry. Kevin Bowen here as well. Mark Dykton playing all the money hits. What's that, Mark? I said, hello. <laughs> this is Kevin and Quarry, which, by the way, my understanding is six months it took him to come up with the name of that show. On uh, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. I was looking yesterday after, and we're going to get into who the Pacers are going to see today. But when it comes to mock drafts, as I have always said, mostly they're good for being mocked, but they give you a pretty good idea of just where players slot and who is 
moving up, who's moving down. And I looked at one for Yahoo Sports, which I think personally, when it comes to the NBA, Yahoo is pretty reputable, has a pretty good idea what's going on. And I got curious about some of the Pacer picks and where players are kind of slotting in terms of the Pacers. So without further ado, with the 32nd pick in the 2023 Yahoo Sports mock NBA draft, The Indiana Pacers select Trace Jackson Davis from the University of Indiana. Again, I heard his workout went very well with the Pacers. He apparently did not shoot the ball well in a couple of his other workouts, but including at the Combine. But I heard he did shoot the ball well for the Pacers. And again, as I was told... The the kind of the narrative was he did well he did very well what he does and showed great improvement in other areas. But that position, and I do think that he has something that, that the Pacers could utilize. Your point is well taken, Kevin, that they have players at that position on the roster already. But take me through who the Pacers are going to see today in their workouts. Yeah, these are probably my two favorites of the realistic group at seven two individual workouts today um the first one that was announced yesterday will be with taylor Hendricks out of central florida um six nine guy uh, probably more of kind of your your ideal four next to miles turner uh can stretch the floor shot 40 percent from three last year i think that is a really really attractive number but more importantly uh, big wingspan, big-time defender, and can kind of switch on that end. The questions about him on why he maybe isn't even higher than in this general range is you know, people feel like maybe he's not necessarily a great playmaker, not a great driver, um, you know, not taking guys off the dribble. Again, Jake, I'm okay with that. You, know, you have a Halliburton, you have a Matherin. I don't necessarily think you need that sure you would love uh, a, an even more well-rounded prospect but if you can get the old kind of three and d and put that at the four position um especially from kind of a switchability standpoint i like that out of hendrix this is a, a really esoteric name perhaps he reminds me of Derek favors I don't know if you remember Derek Favors. Sure. I think body type, I could see that. I think a little bit more perimeter Probably oriented. a little more athletic, but you know, Favors, just like his size. Yeah. I don't think Favors ever shot it anywhere near what Hendricks. Yeah. I mean, the, the game has evolved a little bit since Favors came into the league. Shot it. But yeah, know. I could see kind of the, the, the taller, lankier body types. The other guy that they're bringing in today... Um, is Jarris Walker out of Houston. Again, would probably play the same position as a guy like Hendricks, probably in that four spot, but a much different body, 230 pounds. I mean, when you watch Houston this year, he just stood out like, wait a minute, that dude is a freshman? He seems to be the most common linked to Indiana. Yeah, a little bit, again, of a thicker body, um, Really long wingspan, over seven feet. I mean, if you play for Kelvin Sampson, you certainly have got to bring it on the defensive end of the floor. Not as consistent of a shooter as a guy like Hendricks, so that is something you question. But I would say probably a little bit more on the defensive end, on the rebounding side of it. You know, a thing that I really liked about Matherin last year is in that second-round game when Arizona was on the ropes with TCU, Matherin went into kind of takeover mode and was outstanding 
in that second round game. They got Arizona into the Sweet 16. I think they actually played then Houston in the next round. But, you know, in a big time stage, he really delivered. Uh, Jairus Walker in the tournament, again, I know Houston didn't get on as deep of a run as they wanted. He wasn't necessarily the lead score for them. But against Auburn in the second round, when they were, again, on the ropes, he had 10 rebounds and 6 blocks. Against Miami in the Sweet 16, he had 11 rebounds and 4 blocks. So in their biggest games of the season, a 6'8 guy, double figure in rebounds, and had 10 blocks in those two games. Um, So those are some defensive kind of areas where obviously the Pacers struggle in big time, and uh, that is something that I like out of Walker. So I would say Walker, the question is, again, does he give you enough offensively? Is he liability is probably too harsh, but can he hit the open jump shot consistently enough in the NBA? I think he was 34% from three in college. Um, Whereas with Hendricks, you're probably getting a little bit more from a three-point shooter, but there is a little bit more of a question on just, again, how dominant of a defender. I think a lot of people feel like Walker can switch, can guard a lot of spots, can be a good rebounder, and obviously those are areas the Pacers have struggled in. Uh, This from David on Twitter. Uh, University of Indiana, uh, again, for those new to the program, David Stern, for whatever reason, every time a player from Indiana was drafted, said University of Indiana. So that's like an inside baseball joke. My apologies. Uh, also, and Mark, this one falls on you. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You're not, and, and yeah. David's criticism of the show, you are not immune, buddy. Okay. Uh, wasn't that the NFL sounder for a draft pick? Uh, if you watch the NBA draft, they use the same sound. Are you positive on that? 100%. How sure are you on that? 100%. Can you cite an example? 100%. Show your work? It's the same TV channel, right? Yeah. ESPN? Yeah. Isn't the NBA draft on TNT? No, No, ESPN. Fran Fraschilla is explaining how the international prospect... Oh, we got grainy film from Fran and... Woj and wasn't Bill Simmons on the telecast? Which Which is more commonly used in the NBA draft? Length or upside? Or wingspan. Yeah, I would say wingspan. How about high motor? Wingspan. It's real. And age. I feel like the NBA is much more about age than in the NFL. Correct. Because every player is like... And this is the other thing I find funny. Uh, He's 19.7. Yeah, literally. Does that mean... Now, here's my question. If you're 19.7... Does that mean that you are 70% the way through the year, or are you 19 in seven months? Because they're different, right? I think it's the 70% through the year, right? You think so? I could be wrong on that. Should it matter at all, Jake, that, you know, for a guy like Trace Jackson Davis, if the Pacers were to, to select him, again, we're getting into age, would it matter at all that Isaiah Jackson is two full years younger than him? It's a very fair question and a really good question. Um, Which is kind of crazy to think about. I know, but I think a lot of it has to do with cost, quite frankly. If you get Trace Jackson Davis and you take him 32nd, then he's a second-round pick, non-guaranteed money, lesser value. And and so I, I don't know that the Pacers are in cost-saving mode or free-up cap space mode. But when you know that you are getting, you're going to have to eventually re-sign Halliburton, Matherin, you know, in time, those guys, then you you want to try to get as many players on 
you know, lesser contracts as possible. Of course, if Trace Jackson Davis shows out and turns out to be a great player, then you renegotiate. Now you're back to square one. I mean, I get it. Can I uh, show my work real quick? Yes, please do. This is David Stern. With the first pick in the 2019 NBA draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Zion Williamson. Now, hold on. Play the sounder again, though. Off that. And then play the the one that you play. It's the same one. Well, it's the same jingle, but it's a... Just louder. That's all. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Yes. Okay. Boy, just well, what think, David. What do you got to say now, stick bud? It, David, just what <laughs> I think we're check your work, man. We were done with this stage of our young children's lives. Uh, Maddie just sent me a picture that Rosie has gotten into the storage at home, and this is what she's pulled out, Jake. Dead mouse. Let's see. Hold on. I can't see my. He's got to unplug. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got to. Okay, un- the storage. Dead mouse. Oh, perfect. Now wait a minute. Did, did she put that on herself? Uh, we're not fully there yet, but I think it was demanded that she put it on. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The storage, now this appears to be fitting her just fine. I know, but you know, I So why was this in storage and not already displayed? I'd like to know. Please offer an explanation. Well, you know, it just, it had gotten a few stains on it. I I felt like she had Has it ever been worn? It has definitely been worn. I'm shocked it still fits her like that. And this is, please elaborate. This is Uncle Jake's purchase of a Clemson dress. So picture a purple dress with a little orange paw on the left part of the chest and yes rosie bowen currently rocking that here on this wednesday morning <laughs> god unbelievable heck yeah i thought we were done with that well and max wars barcelona sweatpants yesterday by the way <laughs> so I literally forgot. jake is clothing my children here uh-huh. in the last uh-huh. 36 now just hours. wait because the next trip i'm taking is amsterdam and wait till you see what i bring well, back to hopefully kids. nothing from the red light district would <laughs> be a mule would be preferred on that end <laughs> Look, these gummy bears are unbelievable. <laughs> well, Rosie's, Rosie's a big fair, fan of uh, of gummy bears. Uh-huh. On that, that end. would be a fun show, though. Uh, I would be totally content two weeks from Thursday if the seventh overall pick came from one of these two names in the workout. I, I think it fits what the Pacers need. I know there is an audience out there that says that is too narrow-minded it's too short-sighted you're not swinging enough for the fences the Pacers are drafting seven overall you need to try and hit the biggest home run possible I think you're starting to fit pieces into the puzzle I would agree with that latter part totally agree and I still think these are talented dudes I I don't want to act like these are just like you know glorified role players but not everybody can score 25 for you Kevin if you look at the two best Pacer teams that we've had in the NBA era here you had the one where you had David West, George Hill, Paul George, um, Lance Stevenson. Who's the other starter I'm missing? Somebody help me out here. Uh, Hibbert. And Roy Hibbert. You know, H- Hibbert, I believe, was a draft night trade. Lance Stevenson was a second-round pick. Paul George was a pick that when they when he was selected, people were like, Who? George Hill, they traded Kawhi Leonard for his right. I, I get that, but I don't know that anybody knew that Kawhi Leonard was going to be that. David West, a free agency signing. Okay. The other greatest Pacer team would be Reggie Miller, Rick Smits, Derek McKee, Mark Jackson, and I, I mean, you know, Jalen was part of that mix as well. Um, 
Who am I missing on that group? Oh, Dale Davis. You know, Reggie Miller drafted. Rick Smith's drafted. Um, Derek McKee was traded for, and when they traded Detlef Shrimp for him, it was like, what What in the world are you, are they doing? I mean, people were livid. Mark Jackson, I, you know, they traded away. They had Mark Jackson traded him, then traded back for him. And people were like, what are they doing? So my point being that that individually, oftentimes with moves of a of a player, you go, that guy, why are they going after that guy? But then when he when you slot him in with the other pieces around, you go, ah, I get it. It works now. And I agree with you, Kevin, that I think that's where they are with this draft pick. It, it may well be a player that people are like, what are they doing? And then when you pair it with and watch it grow organically with Isaiah Jackson and Benedict Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton and, you know, a guy that, that I was talking to Mark Monteith last night, I ran into him, a guy that we don't even talk about that I think is another piece that, that gives him some flexibility, Aaron Neesmith, who's a good wing defender, you know, somebody that slots in with what those guys bring to the table and offsets what they don't bring to the table, that's where they are right now as opposed to just let's just go out and get another player because they have good young players. And it's interesting. I mean, Monteith and I were saying, we're like, man, Neesmith is one that has kind of made Duarte expendable, right? Yeah, I mean, there are questions about Duarte and Isaiah Jackson's future. Yeah. And, you know, just a couple of years ago, I mean, when they were drafted, they both had promising moments in their rookie seasons. It is quickly how it kind of all can unfold for them. You know, I was thinking about this tonight with Miami. And again, game three right here on our airwaves coming up at 830. The Miami Heat is 13-year-old Kevin Bowen looking in the mirror and thinking to himself, I could have sworn I got rid of that zit yesterday. Excuse me? That's the Miami Heat. They are the puberty pimple for Kevin Bowen. That's what they are. Yeah. And Jessica Smith won't talk to me in the locker bay at Clay Junior High. And why is that? Well, probably Kevin, because you think you got rid of the zit and it's back again. I mean, they just they just lurk. They're always I thought they were done. I thought in game two, once Denver got that lead on them, I thought, boy, Denver's going to win this going away. It's 2-0, and they can probably pack some brooms on the plane to Miami. And now I sit here looking at tonight, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. The Heat might just do it again at home, and they might win this series in five or six. Kevin, the Miami Heat, in terms of a series, that's how they are in games. Because in a series, you look at it and you go, well, they're done. And in games, it's like that. You turn on the, you go out to dinner, you do whatever, you come home, it's nine o'clock, oh, the finals are on, you turn it on, and the Heat are down eight midway through the third. Right. It's over. And then you go and you do something, you come back, and the Heat are down three with three minutes to go in the third. And you're like, well, I mean, Denver's going to make a run here. And then you go do something, you come back, and the Heat have tied it up with nine minutes to go in the game. How about this? And then stat? they're up three, and then they're up five, and then they're up 11, and you're like, wait, but what's going on here? It's crazy. To that point, this stat from ESPN, the Heat scoring difference in each quarter in the playoffs. They're minus one in the first quarter. They're minus 11 in the second quarter. They're minus 12 in the third quarter. So if you add all that up, they are combined minus 24 going into the fourth quarter of games in the playoffs. In the fourth quarter, plus 90. They have outscored their opponents in the fourth quarter of the postseason by 90 
points. It's the third best fourth quarter point differential in playoff history. Plus 90 in the fourth quarter. Did you have acne back in the day? Not terribly. I never had to do like the Accutane or anything like that. Yeah, I did a little topical action. And the Stridex wipes were, were a yeah. staple in the Dykeman you know, household. Do you pop it or does that, does that make it worse? Yeah, I always fought it. I always fought it. Now, I, I still get the occasional like... Does Tyler Hero have acne? I, I think right now, like, on my, like I get ingrown hairs every once in a while from a shaving nick. That's a bit of a detriment. Oh, I thought it was from the 32 bottles of cologne that you pour into 64, your pores. 64 bottles. No cologne today, though, just so you know. Didn't shower this morning. That's why I'm wearing a hat. Do you think we get Chris Boward here in a few hours to talk about Isaiah Rogers, or will the Colts say it's an under-investigation, no comment, Shane Steichen will answer questions about the spring offseason program? Ladder. I feel like, though, that Isaiah Rogers identified himself. I mean, you could say it's an investigation, which is true, but like the guy identified himself. It's not an unknown Colts player where you could probably use that as a crutch. Something I could see Ballard doing is I cannot talk specifically about the player, but I can talk about how we educate our players from a gambling standpoint. Yeah. Like kind of taking this, hey, this is an opportunity to be very public about it mm-hmm. and to kind of give our players a little bit of shockwaves in the media with that. I could see him going down that path. Again, there's an NFLPA aspect to this that I know you, you want to be cautious with, but I could see Ballard going there. I When I say I don't think he'll address it, and, and again, this hasn't necessarily always been my normal routine here, but I'll defend him here. I, I, I kind of get it. I don't know what I, I am under the assumption, Kevin, that until the NFL comes out with a definitive statement and or discipline, it's probably in the Colts' best interest to not comment on it, right, from a legal standpoint. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, Can you go around that a little bit? We'll see, to Mark's point. I mean, Isaiah Rogers has rather admitted to it and certainly did not try and downplay and or counter any of the reports that were out there so we'll see uh that's coming up in a few hours i'll be out there again the colts third open ota session of the spring i um i will be curious of that but i'm going to guess that they come out and say Listen, we know that you guys have a lot of questions, and the reality is at this point we're not – we are still gathering all of the evidence, and we are awaiting – You know, we're, we're really kind of handcuffed until the league tells us what they have found out, and so it's in our best interest to not address it until that time. If you have any questions about OTAs, we'll be ha- and then the first couple questions will be about it, and they'll re- – again, guys, I, I listen, I – you guys know as much as we do. I, you know, I know that that's uncomfortable, but um, it's just the reality. I mean, right now, we're, what we're worried about is the guys that are in this locker room today, and those guys in this locker room today are, they're, you know, they're out there, they're flying around, they're making plays, they're, they're doing what they can, and um, you know, we support our teammates, our brother, and it's a difficult situation. But just again, until we have any definitive clearance and clarity from the NFL, I, I just don't think that. We can discuss it at this time, and then. I know we got the pop quiz in a few. That pretty much sounded exactly like the script, didn't it? Yeah, that that was pretty good PR 101, I think. Um, (laughs) We got the pop quiz in a few. If we have time today, maybe I'll hit on this story. Are you familiar with Jimmy Dunn, Jake, at all? 
in his relationship with the PJ Tour uh, slash the 9-11 Jimmy Dunn, story. my buddy Mike Dunn, when we were played at the YMCA, his dad Dave Dunn was the coach, and Jimmy Dunn, his older brother, was a hell of a player at North Central JV player. Used to shoot the ball a lot at Greenbrier Elementary School. I was mesmerized by his shooting ability, about 6'4", thin guy. Good player. Couldn't figure out why he wasn't on varsity. Uh, but Jimmy Dunn liked him. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Um, Same guy? I don't believe so. <laughs> D-U-N-N-E? Would, would that oh, be the same no, spelling no, for sorry. You? Sorry, they dropped it. Pat Sajak took the vowel back. Yeah, Jimmy Dunn, uh, again, if we have time here, we'll share a little bit on that. I would highly encourage anyone out there just how wild this PGA Tour Saudi story is to look into Jimmy Dunn's background. Again, his story of 9-11 is rather movie-like. And now the fact that he is, by all accounts, one of the central figures in the finances of this deal, uh, it's rather wild to me. Rather wild. Um, so, yeah, if anyone out there has the time today, I'd encourage you to look into that. If not, we'll try and share it here in a little bit. Uh, pop quiz in a few. Morning check down time. The morning check down. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Someone has turned down Saudi money. money. It would be Lionel Messi coming to the MLS. Inter-Miami is where he's headed. Wasn't that rumored? You mean you mean rumored. you mean Inter Miami into the equation or no, I N T E R? I N T E R. Not Inter Milan either. No, the soccer team. No, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. So Miami has got the Heat, Look at that. four straight got the Panthers, nights, and boom, you got Messi coming. Okay, let me pardon my naivete here. It's kind of a live senior tour move, to right? A, for to Messi? a soccer yeah. enthusiast, Messi is. Is he like in his twilight? Is this David Beckham to L.A. or is this is he still like? I mean, I would say he's, he's on the fifteenth or sixteenth hole, right? Yeah, but he's still. I mean, wasn't this his top last World three Cup? Most popular player. He's only thirty-five. Right. Right. Popularity. Yeah, he was great in the World Cup. Right. Popularity and style of right. play, though. Mm-hmm. Two different debates. Uh, we mentioned earlier the uh, French player that's going to the Saudi <laughs> team. Uh, was it Kareem Benzema? Mark, is that the other one? Yes. And he signed a really healthy deal. Three years for like six hundred and forty-three million. So right now you have what three of the top ten or twelve players potentially on mm-hmm. Saudi soccer teams in the world, and Cristiano yeah. again, Cristiano Ronaldo probably falls into a messy category yeah. of style or uh, popularity more than style of play. But soccer money, a lot of it Saudi related. Saudi money in general, right? Uh, NBA Finals, you mentioned it tonight. Game three, series tied one game apiece in Miami, eight thirty. Uh, is Messi going to be at the game? I mean, that'd probably be a good uh, PR look, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, Front court, dabbing up Jimmy Butler. Dropping the puck tomorrow uh-huh. at the Panthers game. Yeah. Okay. Going to the villages to have a little wine and dine, happy hour. Things get messy there. Uh, again, game three tonight. Winner, winner tonight wins the whole thing. Major League Baseball yesterday. Reds over the Dodgers 9-8. Play it, Mark, again. Don't look now, but here come the Red Lakes. <laughs> they are... Firmly in the middle of the National League Central now. Athletics Firmly over in the, the middle. <laughs> right. Hang the banner. <laughs> well, that is a banner for them. Uh, Scotty Johnson just walked in completely yeah. decked out in his, he looks like UL Washington, in his Kansas City Royals outfit. He does not have his toothpick. That is correct. Uh, Royals yesterday, though, on the short end against the Marlins, they 6-1. Uh, Lionel Messi also at that game. 
Uh, Indianapolis Indians, 4-2 losers to the Omaha Storm Chasers. Cardinals, by the way, and Cubs both lost yesterday as well. Ellie De La Cruz, the Major League debut for him yesterday on the Reds front. So, uh, shockingly, some exciting times for the Red Legs. Uh, Fever lose a close one last night. They had a chance. Aliyah Boston with a putback about three seconds to go. They couldn't get one final stop, though, and then lost in overtime. Is it the Chicago Sky? Chicago Sky. Yep. A uh, 108-103 in OT. Aliyah Boston with 25-11. and 11. Safe to say she has lived up to the hype so far here early on and as we mentioned earlier I'll be off to the Colts here coming up in a little bit for the third open OTA session we'll see if there's any news on that front from those positions of authority uh, pop quiz time yep. 317-239-1070 Scotty what are we looking at in terms took of took a look at the answers uh, a bit of a variety right yeah. Scotty just said an 8 some baseball some indie car. Dare I say tennis? Yes. Jake, can you name one player left in the French Open men's or women's draw? Uh, Sam Query. Gosh, I wish. No American, right, uh, in the men's? I think there's one. Is Coco Golf still in the women's? Uh, I believe so. I think Djokovic is still around, Nastassi, right? Nastasi, is he still in it? Nastasi, is he out? Uh, Nastasi's out. Okay. Pop quiz, 3 and 7, 2, 3, 9, 10, 70. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, time for the pop quiz. 317-239-1070. Jake, how much money do you think Roger Penske would need to see from the Saudis for them to buy IndyCar? It's a really good question. Will they have interest? Also a really good question. Um, I have no idea. I have a general idea what it cost him to buy IndyCar. Um, a billion? I, I, I'm totally spitballing. I mean, he Roger Pinsky may be like, hey, I have no interest in selling it. I, which... I think Roger Penske is more interested in having a legacy for his, um, for Gregory Penske to to be able to carry on that. So I, I think that's probably more important to him. But I mean, the Indy 500 from Rehad. Somebody asked me this the other day, and I I pass this along to you. I think off air. What happens if? And I'm not going to say any names because I don't want it to be. This is strictly a hypothetical. Somebody presented it to me, and I thought, you know what? That's actually a decent question. What if a beverage company, not an alcoholic one, but some sort of beverage company, came to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and said, you know what? The milk thing is cool, but we're going to pay you $15 million a year to drink our beverage in Victory Lane. Yeah, like Red Bull, I think, is what you brought up. What would they do? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Money wins. Haven't we learned every? I mean, what have we learned the last twenty four hours? Tradition doesn't matter. Legacy doesn't matter. Sounds good. It's money, 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 money. Especially for sports organizations that have questions about I remember, their long standing financial. I remember when the live thing presence. happened, 
and I'm not saying you were wrong, so I'm not saying this to pick on you. I remember when the live thing happened and you were like, well, good for them. I mean, they're going to be, what, on YouTube or something? We'll never hear from these guys again. I'm putting words in your mouth, yeah. but that was kind of the tone that I think most people thought, right? Right. I, I, and I think from a competition standpoint, we never heard from them. Like, no one watched that golf. No one paid attention to the events, but they had a just pools and pools of money, and that's what wins. So, yes, to your point about would the Victory Lane drink change if someone brought that amount of money? Man, am I wrong? I, I mean, I'd like to say you are, but I, you know, and that sounds like me with golf, I, I doesn't it? it? I, I get it. I, I, yesterday was a reminder of I should not live in fairy tale. That that's what yesterday was a reminder for me. And I'm very curious, and I know we got to go to the pop quiz, but I'm very curious going back to our Will Haskett conversation. Jake, yesterday we had a press release that announced nothing in terms of details. Nothing. Just a agreement and principle that still needs to be voted on by a board. We have no idea what the schedule looks right. like, no idea what the structure looks like. Do the live guys come back without any punishment? Do they have to sit out at all? Does the public investment fund say, hey, Rory, here's well, $200 I mean, million to keep the live, happy? If the live group is the one that's overseeing it, why would they penalize them? There's a legality aspect to it all that still things have to be settled. Antitrust and Department of Justice, there's so many loose ends to this. And it's, you know, I said to Will Haskett, we're in lap two of 200, right? He goes, we haven't even started the race. So this is going to be a storyline The, the for thing months. that they need to be concerned about is that all of this, the longer it goes on and this changes and that changes and this lawyer and that lawyer and this antitrust and that antitrust is that people themselves, the general public just goes, yeah, I'm tired of this and moves on. And I know that seems crazy because golf is very popular and I understand it, but I'm telling you, like it's, it happened with Major League Baseball. It happened to an extent with, at times with the NBA, it certainly happened with the NHL. The NHL in 1994 was cusped to make a major breakthrough amongst the the coveted 18 to 35 demographic, and then they went on lockout, and it people moved on, went on to something else. Yeah, I think last thing I'll say on this before we get to the pop quiz, I think what was sent yesterday was a message from the Saudis of, and again, this is an analogy, and I know it's a poor analogy given the history of that area of the world, but. They brought legit guns to a gunfight, and the PJ Tour was bringing knives. And for the most part, if the Saudis want to, they can have that advantage. Maybe not as big as an advantage as they had over the PJ Tour. They will have the better artillery in any sort of one-on-one sports league competition. Whether that's Major League Baseball, whether that's the NBA, if they want to, They'll have the advantage. It's will those leagues, will those ownership groups cave like Jay Monahan caved yesterday? That will be the question, yeah. in my opinion, moving forward. Um, all right, it's time for the pop quiz. We have delayed it long enough. Uh, it looks very difficult to me. I'm nervous about it. I, I'm telling you, the first hurdle is going to be. Jake, a number, one through eight. Um, I will go with eight. Mark Dykton? Pete. Pete. Hey, what's going on, fellas? Pete, what's going on with you, man? Uh, just heading home from the golf course. Whoa! Early morning, Pete. Hitting balls, mowing greens, playing golf. 
Yeah. No, I was playing. Nice. Where, where at and what time did you knock it off the first tee? 645 and completed Eagle Creek today. Now, nice. Pines or Sycamore? Sycamore. Uh, great layout. First Pete, hole's beautiful. How old a fella are you, Pete? I am 58-ish, um, nine. Okay. When, which of the following Pete's do you find yourself most relating to? Um, Pete, Pete Dye? Dragon, yes. Pete's Dragon. You asked me that last time. Pete's Dragon. What about Pete Nice? <laughs> no. Pete Newell? <laughs> well, well, isn't isn't Pete Dye? Isn't that the... Yeah. Yeah. Pete yeah. Dye, yeah. Golf yeah, architect, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Pete yeah. Dye. Okay. Sure. Uh, Pete, do you have any opinion on what happened yesterday in the golf world? I, before I even heard anything, I figured Liv would buy out the PGA. Yeah. It's a accurate, accurate Does statement. Does that bother you? I Ultimately, I think that the fans are, are going to... Ooh. Fans are going to win? The, the, the Saudis. That, that would be my guess. Saudis hack his phone. <laughs> now say that again, Pete. Does it bother you? Your phone dropped out. Sorry. Does it bother you? What happened? I'm I'm thinking the fans are the ones that are going to win on that whole live deal because I want to see Bryson DeChambeau and, and yeah. Brooks Koepka play. Yeah, I think overall that is that is the one of the one of the major takeaways from yesterday. Pete, have you ever tried to run up the 15th hole at the Sycamore Golf Course? That is a that's quite the hill. Is that a no? I'm sorry. You broke up, and I didn't hear you. I apologize. Yeah, it was a stupid question. We're going to move on to the pop quiz, Pete, all right? (laughs) Sorry about that. All right, here we go. Question number one for you, Pete. Which race is next on the IndyCar schedule? Mid-Ohio, Toronto, Road America, or Iowa? Uh, Straight guess. I'm going to say... Mid-America. Mid America. Yeah, let's go with last name. He said no, you America. Got, you got Mid Ohio or Road America. Which one? I will go with Road America. Okay. The Reds brought up their top prospect, Pete Ellie De La Cruz, for last night's win over the Dodgers. De La Cruz lined a double to the right center field gap for his first major league hit. How did the Reds acquire De La Cruz? A, they signed him as an international free agent. B, he was part of the trade that sent Luis Castillo to Seattle. C, he was part of the trade of Yasiel Puig to Cleveland and Trevor Bauer to Cincinnati. Or D, he was part of the trade that sent Sonny Gray to Minnesota. Oh, my goodness. I watched the game last night. He was awesome. but I Don't look say- now, but here come the red legs. A lot of Spanish speaking from him. I don't know if that helps you out at all. Oh, what were my choices again? Yeah, in, international free agent, trade with Seattle, trade with Cleveland, or trade with Minnesota? I'll go with the international. All right, question three. Last year's American League batting champion, Luis Orice, is currently hitting 401 for the Miami Marlins of the National League. Name the only player to win batting championships in both the American and National Leagues. You ready? DJ LeMahieu, Albert Pujols, Frank Robinson, John Olerud. What's that? Pujols, he said. I'll go with Pujols. Okay. Pete, did you run into any, like, mowers out there that early in the morning? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, we had the guy cutting the greens in every, on every tee. We've. 
He got the whole course in three hours. Look at that. They should just give you the mower. You could multitask <laughs> there on that. Yeah. Um, all right, Pete, number four. The Marlins have played 62 games so far this season. Name the last player before Arise to hit 400 or better through his team's first 62 games. A, Jose Altuve. B, Miguel Cabrera. C, Chipper Jones. D, Tony Gwynn. Oh, my. You know, that, that guy on the mower this morning was Clipper Jones. Brother. I'm going to go with Chipper Jones. Okay, there we go. Uh, question number five. Novak Djokovic won his quarterfinal match at the French Open yesterday despite dropping the first set. It was the 45th time in his career that he won a match in a major tournament after losing the first set. That breaks a tie for the most such wins in the Open era in majors. Whose record did he break? Jimmy Connors, Roger Federer, Michael Chang, or Images Everything, Andre Agassi. Um, I'm going to go with uh, an underdog, Michael Chang. That guy had some wild hair. Not Michael Chang, the other guy. Yeah, and then it was all gone. I'd love to get American male tennis back to that era. It was great. You know, a lot of fun, man. Don't feel like fun. I have it all. I would say tennis, actually, Kevin, at the, for me, in my middle school to college years, tennis in the American landscape was the equivalent of what golf has been for you. Really? Because you had... I guess that checks out. You know what I mean? You had yeah. both Americans and international players, but you had Agassi and Connors and McEnroe right. and Becker and Lindell and you know what I mean? Yeah, Tiger, Phil, obviously, yeah. tons of great international players. Uh, Pete, boy, what a hell of a Wednesday morning already for Pete here. Uh, what do you get? Road America, right? Yeah! De La Cruz, yeah! international free agent. Chipper Jones. That is correct. And but three was not... Albert Pujols, DJ LeMayhew, and five, not Michael Chang, Jake. It was Andre Agassi. Images everything. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> Is Andre Agassi, didn't he marry Steffi Groff? Yes. Is he still married to her? Yes. And he did he marry Brooke Shields or was he dating Brooke Shields? That's that's a couple of good majors there for... Rory McIlroy is currently Woo! meeting the media. Some interesting quotes from the man that really has carried the PJ Tour's flag for the last year and was, you would think, blindsided by yesterday's news. We'll share some of those comments to end, up, end the show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Jake, when uh, yesterday's news broke, uh, probably the first person I thought about was Rory McIlroy, who has been easily the most public figure in all of this. Jay Monahan, the commissioner of the PGA Tour, has really asked Rory to take a public stance, and Rory has done that for the past year, and while also obviously trying to maintain you know, his standing as one of the best golfers in the world. Um, so Rory's comments, who I think is a very eloquent speaker, and I think does a really nice job of explaining, or has explained the PGA Tour stance really nicely, I was really looking forward to hearing his thoughts. Um, a few Rory quotes from this morning on his reaction to yesterday's news. 
Uh, Rory on the Saudi money. I've come to terms with it. I've resigned myself to this is what's going to happen. It's very hard to keep up with people who have more money than anyone else. Rory, I still hate Liv. I hate them. I hope it goes away, and I expect that it does. Again, I think an issue there with Rory of the competition level of Liv, which is different than the public investment fund, which is the money that was funding Liv. Um, Rory says, it's hard for me to sit up here and feel like somewhat of a sacrificial lamb. When asked if he still has confidence in Jay Monahan as commissioner of the PGA Tour, and this is courtesy, by the way, of Kyle Porter, golf writer for CBS, Kyle mentions here, Rory takes a deep breath and says, I do, dot, dot, dot. Okay. Allow me to ask this. Did Is this a merger or a buyout? That, I think, is a terrific question. Uh, merger sounded good in the press release. Buyout, to me, sounds a little bit more of what it is. And, you know, I asked Will Haskett that question, Jake. Are they simply, simply funding the PGA Tour's endeavors? Yeah, I mean, it, because or, if, are we getting a whole separate tour? What, these are the things we don't know. They released a press release with no details. We have no idea, Jake, what professional golf will look like moving forward. You have a general idea, but again, I think it'll be more global. I think there'll be some team elements to it. I think what you'll see is getting away from the meritocracy of what I've always loved about the PJ Tour. Tiger Woods was not guaranteed status on the PJ Tour. He had to earn it. Same with Jordan Speed. Scotty Scheffler was playing in the AAA version of the PGA Tour just a couple years ago. Won a bunch of events, finished high, earned his status, went on from there. And what Liv to me is like, Jake, is Liv would be like writing a check to Elio Castroneves and saying, no matter what happens, Elio, you're in the next 25 Indianapolis 500s. Right. You don't have to qualify. Right. You're good, man. There would be no story of Catherine Legg. Kyle Graham, Kaiser. Graham Rahal. From a few years ago. Yeah. Graham Rahal. Oh, your last name's Rahal? Yeah. You're good till 2060. I, I think this quote from Rory probably sums up where I will eventually get to. But again, I, I, I still feel a little awkward about it all. Uh, Rory goes, he has come to terms with the Saudi money in sports and golf. I see what's happened in other sports. I see what's happened in other businesses. I've just resigned myself to it. And that's probably where we're at. Money buys a lot of complacency. Right? Yeah, that's well said. I mean, you... If you don't like something on Monday, then you might not like it on Tuesday, and you still don't like it on Wednesday, and you realize by Thursday it's probably not going away, and by Friday you start thinking about what it would be like if you had to accept it, and on Saturday you resign yourself that you're going to accept it, and on Sunday you're like, okay, fine, let's do it, and then by the next Monday you're like, well, yeah, I mean, that was all, it was no big deal. Probably something we can hit on a little bit more tomorrow, and I know this necessarily isn't 100% relevant with sports, but certainly downtown. I'm seeing this here from... um James Briggs that uh, Indianapolis is going to be closing part of Monument Circle the traffic redeveloping Georgia Street to make it mostly car free by 2025 sounds like a little park is going out right outside our um, our office here Georgia Street by the way I still maintain is where they should do basically our equivalent of like the Canyon of Heroes since Georgia Street was built and developed essentially for the Super Bowl celebratory areas and they have the statue of John Wooden there they should just link 
Gamebridge Fieldhouse to the path to the dome by putting up the statues of Indianapolis sports legends. Wooden's already there. Um, and then you have Oscar Charleston, you have Major Taylor, and you do the different legends of Indiana sports to line along Georgia Street. I always thought that wooden statue kind of looks like something I would have created. It's a little odd, yes. Thank you to Will Haskett. Thank you to Stephen Holder again. We'll be up at the Colts Complex here in a bit. See if there's anything more on the Isaiah Rogers front. Boy, quite the first couple shows this week. Uh, Everybody have a great Wednesday. Talk to you tomorrow.